be around the Jets. As we all know, we have a packed agenda. Only 120 more items to review, so we should be done by noon, right? For a easy lunch. Um, morning, everybody. Looks like we have a um, number of people online. Robert, Meredith, Stephen, Tiffany. So um, welcome to every, everyone online. Hold on one second. hearing that, but I was hearing me speak. So um, I'm just going to run through a few slides like I usually do. You probably all have this memorized by now. And then I'm going to ask Delegate Lopez to uh, give some brief comments like she did last time. And then we're going to dive in, picking up on some of the things that we talked about last time, just to re-review and then dig into some of the other categories. So once again, this drill, especially over the next four meetings, is really going to be figuring out where we have consensus, shared agreement. Uh, we need to have, we more or less need to have the work done by the end of September, our last meeting is the 27th, so that we can deliver all the different recommendations to all the different um, entities by the 15th. Uh, and delegate, we will get your stuff to you well before that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, just a reminder of kind of the key things that we're attempting to address as dictated in the letter of intent. We're looking at timeliness, refining deadlines, uh, looking at where timelines can be shortened, making sure we're addressing the key challenges and opportunities, looking for greater alignment, especially county and state. Uh, ways to work out conflict more effectively and market trends, actually, which we have not talked about that much. Again, the ground rules, you know, I, I've been really pleased uh, in general uh, across all these meetings, the kind of civil conversation that we've had, despite differences of opinion, differences in, in view, differences in stake in some of this. But again, kind of just listening in a, in a deeper and more intentional way to the conversation, being respectful, um, keeping the benefit of the whole in mind, really important here. And then it's not just my job the way I see it, it's all of our job to make sure that we have a supportive, uh, a supportive environment for constructive conversations so we can make progress. Um, after this, we only have three meetings, so pressure's on. <laughs> and each of those meetings, because we decided to give you a break, there are three hours, which means we're all going to have to talk faster and think deeper. Uh, the agenda, so like I said, we're going to continue as we did last time. Um, we're going to revisit a few things that we touched upon just to uh, some work was done between last meeting and this meeting. Uh, at, at some appropriate time, we'll take a 15 minute break and then we'll dive back into it. And then before we close, we'll take a look at what do we really need to make sure gets done between now and September 13th, our next meeting. So we've got we've got a hiatus of almost three weeks. And what are the key issues that we want to make sure that we address at the next meeting? Um, so just as a reminder, last time we focused on state timelines, made some good progress there. Um, 
We got through most of the Platts testimony. Uh, we're going to revisit. Uh, we're going to finish that and revisit uh, at least one or two things that Christina worked on in the interim. Um, we got through much of public notice uh, and uh, we'll finish that today and then move on. Um, so just to let you know what we did, and uh, I don't know how much midnight oil Pam was burning last week, um, but you know we're, we're the biggest challenge, as we all know, is just the sheer volume of comments that we've received and really figured out or really to figure out what belongs where, what do we make, what do we absolutely need to make sure that we address if we can't literally get to everything and what belongs somewhere else, right? So in the revised spreadsheet, which we sent out, I think Tuesday afternoon, and there are a couple copies left here, um, we identified, I think more than 110 comments, all important that really couldn't shouldn't be addressed in this work group, but that belong with other agencies or interagency work groups or require future study, but they don't need to be housed here. But that still left us with 150 plus that we need to deal with. And so uh, we split split it into two tabs. Everything is still there. Um, and then uh, with the main tab that we're going to be looking at, we reorganize the categories a little bit. Uh, to hopefully focus on the highest priority categories and the issues that we need to take a look at there. And then Pam did an amazing job, I think, um, of looking through each of those 20 plus categories and figuring out across the hundreds of comments, what were the two, three, four, five summary bullets that kind of crystallized the recommendations that were being made. And so that's mainly we're going to when we go to each category today, that's mainly what we're going to be looking at. But then you still have the the detail in each individual comment. If you want to go back and say, did we really address that or not? But the, the main point for us today is to really as best we can stay focused on the summary recommendations. I think we'll get through it quicker. Uh, there may have been, been things that got left out. We can bring them back in, uh, uh, but I leave it to you to bring them back in if you feel like it wasn't fully addressed. Um, Pam, you want to say anything more just about that? I don't know if I covered kind of what you did and how you did it. Very briefly, I mean, I, you know, it was a way to, as we talked as a internal group to try to come up with an agenda, realizing we had spent a four hour meeting and got through 20 plus lines of a spreadsheet. There was no way we were going through every line. And some of them were repetitive. So, you know, we would debate things that maybe we'd already talked about, or it would just be more difficult to slog through. So the goal was to literally read every single one of those lines um, and to say, is there a way to just summarize in general what what is what are these comments trying to get at? Is it shortening a time frame? Is it, you know, the signature by the director? Is it whatever? Um, and so that was the goal of this so that we could focus on the bullets so that we'd make some real progress. But you know, obviously we want everyone to have every comment because, you know, well, I'm perfect and I might have missed something or I might have categorized something in a way that's nice. You know, I actually would have pulled out this sentence from that comment, which is different. So obviously it's all open for interpretation and people are, you know, welcome to say, oh, can we please also add X to this? But we should be cognizant that we need to get through it all. Right. And thanks again, Pam, for doing that. She, I think you did that like the night before she was going on a little weekend holiday. So. Uh, lots of people in this group 
putting lots of extra effort to make all this happen. Amanda has a question. Sorry, yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much, Pam, for the work that you put into this. This is this is very helpful to have it organized like this. Um, is it these are comments up until because we got comments yesterday. So this is these are comments up until yesterday. Well, up until August 8th. So I think what got sent out yesterday, at least what what got um, uh, put in, put in the email was August 7th to the 23rd, maybe. I don't know. Might be to the 23rd. I think some of the written actually some of the stuff that came in that was we had it initially highlighted in here. Um, okay. It highlights out. So it was everything I left on the 16th, the 16th or when I finished this, whatever. I think it was what we had until the 16th of August. So yes, not yesterday's. So th there are a few, th I, I printed out the testimony that Emily sent out. So there are a few comments that are still uh, are in the spreadsheet and there are a few comments that are, I think there's seven or eight additional letters or what have you that came in. And is, so is there an option on the, on the chance that we do not get through all of these comments and there are some really important ones in here to extend this discussion because i do think there's concern that if it just gets pushed off i understand there's the deadline for the for the state but for these other the other um valuable comments that have come in there's a concern that they're just sort of going to get lost if they get pushed off you know to a future time place um, to make sure that we really do go through all of them. I mean, people took the time to write what them, yeah. so we should take the time to review them. So what I was going to propose is just to have the appropriate people, um, because it might not just be the people in this room, you know, right. uh, actually reach out to the people that had these comments and talk through them a little bit right. to and and also I was going to send it on you know we're working on certain things like the CR guidelines and, and, and different things like that that these comments are appropriate to okay. and so sending it to the appropriate people that are working on those things and having them reach out so that they aren't just lost because I, I agree people took time to come and testify and I think that they deserve to be heard it's just Maybe it's it's a little bit outside of this process. Okay, and that makes sense. Um, and then last question was the um, the survey. Did that did we get responses? Did that go out or did we get responses? Did get we had? went out. I I don't know the status of the responses for that. Yeah, it's still it went until September first. Yeah, yeah. And, and the I, other um, thing I was going to say that Lee and I have talked about was you know in the spreadsheet that's not the one that the work group is going to focus on you know the other is to go through and add a column where we like literally write a sentence or two that indicates what's the follow-up here perfect. okay and perfect. that gets put to the report as like an appendix so nothing gets lost nothing doesn't okay. get transmitted nothing doesn't get sort of somebody's eye on it great right yeah. Yeah. so i thought i heard someone online but it sounded very low volume uh well it was me marinus okay great can you can you all hear me yeah, you may need to speak up just a little bit more. Oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Um, well, yes, we have said that for the things that are not um, development review, that we would not uh, review them today, and that some of these things would be, as Pam described, put off. Um, but I think the way that takes place has not been really decided. And I... I um, think that we should, in this process, find a way to identify the very important issues that are not state issues 
that we would bring um, to the county council. Um, and we can do that at a later time because we've got plenty of development review things today, but that next step is important because most things really are the council. Right, so um, uh, Meredith, I think that's a good suggestion. I think our uh, small planning team can take a look at that over the next three weeks and bring something back to the group about what specifically will be done and who's doing it and how it will be done. But we, you know, we've just been scrambling so much to figure out what we've got. I think we're finally at a point where we have our hands around it, but we haven't um, thought fully about kind of these kinds of steps that are coming oh, up I here. I don't remember if we talked about it here in the smaller planning meeting, but the full report will go to obviously to Delta Lopez, but we'll copy planning board, council, and the county executive. So like all government stakeholders will see the full report with the comments attached. And I do have a question actually for the delegate. It, you know, we're kind of going back and forth on what this report looks like. And I'm so, so glad that you mentioned that. Yes, that. That's part of her opening comment. <laughs> um, sure, well, um, I, I'm always sensitive about what falls under state jurisdiction versus what are changes that need to happen at the county level. And I feel really, really positive about our three kind of topics and what the bill language is, is gonna look like with those areas. And so, um, you know, I, I feel in terms of like presentation, that part is like, if we had a bit of a preamble for the explanation of why these might be important, um, including some of the testimony that it doesn't have to be very long, um, but basically what you might write for, you know, your written comments when, you know, giving bill testimony or something like that, along with the language, I think that's fine for those three things. Um, in terms of the recommendations that might go to the county, I'm a bit deferential to like whatever format you, I mean, whatever your memos look like when it goes to county council members, the county executive's office about these things. Um, I think um, the handoff between kind of where we leave things and the lingering topics that can't be addressed or be actionable by this project are things that I probably just need to sit down and talk to um, uh, Evan Glass and Mark Elridge about and just say like, okay, so we're at a really good place. We have momentum. It seems like people are really engaged and leading to um, you know, some very positive results, like how to manage this handoff, because at that point, you know, the state over, has like this oversight authority, but when it comes to the execution and how these things become operationalized, it's all county. And that's really, I don't want to say not any of my business, because it is because we have oversight authority there, but like, you know, there's just a separation there. And, um, you know, we have to be respectful of that separation. And so I'll, I'll talk to them to see how they want to think about next steps. But um, it warms my heart. And I think it's such a positive thing that we're even talking about a next step that like we've, we've come to a place where it's like we've identified um, not necessarily compromises because it doesn't feel like people are losing anything. And I mean, um, you know, SHA might feel differently after we have all of our conversations, but like, you know, um, it doesn't feel like um, necessarily compromise, but just coalescing and collaboration. And so if that spirit um, can continue outside of, you know, October 15th or whatever the day is, I think that's lovely and I'll work to make sure that that happens. One of the things we talked about internally was like 
do we need a voluminous report or can we do something in general that's high level with lots of detail in the appendices and stuff like that? So I think that's the way we're hoping to lean, but just want to make sure. I mean, it sounds like there's more conversations to have at the county level, but you're not looking for something I would hundreds say of pages long. When it comes to the state legislators who will be looking at these bills, um, this is not an area that anyone outside of probably uh, Chair Polakovich Carr, because of her municipal background, has any real experience with. And so it's very easy to have like the fire hydrant turned on of information and you lose track of what things are because there's too many details. And so I would say your executive summary, making that as powerful as possible so you kind of get it and get hit over the head with with these things um, is important. And then through the process of the hearing and providing testimony and probably me explaining a lot of things, we'll get there, right? Um, I think it's just very important that it's everyone can show that they've come together to support these changes and that they're not controversial for this group, that they've been well um, researched and thought out. And there's a, a real process that brought us to this point. It's not like a knee-jerk reaction that we've, you know, these have all been very deliberative and thoughtful changes. Um, but yes, feel free to add as much information as you think needs to be in an appendices or something like that, but because um, it's all public record, so whatever you feel like is the most compelling that way. I was going to chime in, I think a shorter report, because particularly referencing the parking planning website, a couple of folks have asked me questions, what's going on, and a couple of folks have even said, oh, I watched the the four hours <laughs> or what and I said great there's more of them but there's all that backup information's on the website so including that and if people do want to watch this meeting or the public hearings and all the paperwork is already it's all assembled so that you know makes the report shorter I think that that would be my vote yeah, I mean, I think of the report is kind of the first step. And then once the hearing happens, you can kind of elaborate a bit more in testimony. And so, um, you know, just for the sake of expediting things, maybe focus on having just a very um, uh, tightly formatted report. And then when it comes to bill hearing time, uh, go into more detail for things. All right, thank you, Delegate. So just, um, some final words before we move into the details again. So um, this is a handout, but this is just the revised order of categories in which we will be going through. Um, obviously, we're not going to get anywhere near through all these bullets today, but this is kind of the, the sequence in which we're looking at addressing between now and late September. One thing that we did talk internally just to kind of put a point in it is um, we actually are hoping that by September 27th meeting, the last meeting, that we're really reviewing kind of what's, what have we agreed upon, what's going to go into a report as opposed to still dealing with spreadsheets. We'll see if that's possible. That's my goal. Hopefully it's all of our goals so that uh, we, we don't have to extend the meeting on the 27th to get through it all. So, uh, and then, so, so today, um, after we uh, go back to Platts for a couple things, finish out notice process, we're looking at focusing on intake, resolutions and conditions, certified site plan, permitting. If we if we do incredibly well, then we'll begin to take on lead, some lead agency 
issues and some amendments in administrative. Um, but I may be getting ahead of myself. So with that, um, so like I said before, you you have or you I, I sent this around last night. There's handouts here. So this is a, kind of a summary document of all the bullets that Pam was referring to. So that's where I'm going to be. Um, focused on in a Word document. Tracking this conversation and then again as necessary, if there are specific comments you feel like aren't reflected in the bullets, then make sure you that you bring that up in the conversation in that category. OK. All right, um, so. Uh, Christine, why don't we start with your memo going back to to Platt's? I made copies of it over here. We sent uh, she sent it out yesterday. Uh, so I'll I'll um, pass it on to you, Christina. Sure, so we pretty much got through all of Platt's except for we had the one remaining issue that we wanted to come back to. Uh, there was a request for a little bit of uh, um, information about what's the difference between an administrative subdivision and a minor subdivision. And the question that we had remaining was whether we were okay with suggesting a change to the state law to allow minor subdivisions to be approved by the planning director rather than the planning board. That's how it is already in Prince George's County. It's already in the state law for Prince George's County. And so the change would be to basically make it for both Prince George's and Montgomery. Um, but there were some questions about it. And so I sent around, I mean, to call this a memo, it's very short, but I figured it gave you the bare bones of, of the difference between those two items. Um, so I guess we'll just open it for questions or if anybody has any ideas about this. Christina, it's yes. Merida. Is it possible to just give a very quick review of what we agreed to about plats so that everybody is on the same page? Sure, we agreed to um, suggest to doing a state change that would allow for plats to be approved conditionally by the planning board uh, without them having full signatures. So it could go to the planning board. They would be approved with certain conditions and it would still have the, the formal notice and the, the hearing in front of the board, um, but then they could it would save about three weeks because it would allow for that to happen while the plats were going around and getting signatures from all the different parties that they need to be signed. So um, that was what we agreed to, and that's what I've drafted some language for. Okay, thanks. So any comments, questions for Christina? Question, so there's discussion right now, finally, Chairman, plan board, science, plat, and then yes, science, and plat. That there's discussion about having one signature versus the two signatures. That's still open for resolution or discussion or how how that may go forward. And does that save time and and so forth? I I think we have stated our position at DPS. You know, and, and the reason that 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 uh, DPS uh, should sign the Flat, you know, the reason was the sanitarian and all the storm water management, uh, everything uh, that's shown on the on the plat, the right away, everything else that we are looking at, uh, and in accordance with the regulation, 
we have the authority from also uh, MDE. We have to perform these uh, reviews and sign off on them. But, but really, when, when, when you look at this thing, I think the issue was really the timeline, how long it takes uh, to, to issue these plans. You know, I agree if it's taking so long, we should be looking at why is it taking so long. I mean, when you drill into the numbers and look at how long it's uh, with the various agency here, and it's usually really us and uh, park and planning, and to some extent, EP. Uh, we perform our review in a timely manner. Talking about days, uh, it's just applicant taking. I mean, if you look at the numbers, applicant has it twice or three times the number of days that we have. Uh, so when you look at it, I really and and once we get it, we review it within like the same day, and it's up. It's up. Or the comments are going back and forward. I think somebody has. If, Meredith, if you can mute maybe for a second, we're getting a little feedback. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Yeah, so from those standpoints, and I think the suggestion or the recommendations that have been made, you know, having the planning director instead of the chair to sign it, that would take that would improve by days, if not weeks, uh, just waiting to get it on the agenda. Uh, and also the electrical signature we discussed. I mean, those are really great improvements yeah. that should be like really reviews and from those so staff, so we thought continue to put signatures on the plans. So there's a couple things with that. So as far as DPS signing it, it and Isan is right, it doesn't take them that long to actually, you know, do the physical signature and, and all that. What I understand is holding up plats truly is more things like that are that are hung on to waiting for plat and that one of them that we talked about last time was right of way permits and having to go through the whole permitting process for right of way before getting plat signed off so if we can like remove those types of things i think it'll move it quicker and that, that's what i was going to say so it, it sounded like everything you said that you're reviewing as part of the plat wasn't actually the plat review it was all it was the permitting process and things like storm drain and everything you listed was well in accordance to chapter 50 uh, there should be like we discussed that there should be a bond associated with the items in the right of way prior to the approval of the plan and, and really it's not the permitting process i thought that was because when i was talking you know on the side uh, uh, with my friend over here uh, that it was going through the whole permitting process. That's not the case. It's really we need to obtain a permit, a right of a permit to accept the cost estimate. And usually the cost estimate we get that associated with the right of way, that's approved and gone. There is no review of actual the right of way, the stone drain, the stone drainage and, and roads design review. So it's really the, the actual thing is your cost estimate that's approved stop the button and I think it may take the applicant or the developer how long it takes them to get that bond approved and, and have it in place. Other than that, the review time, there is no review. It's just a permit, a right-of-way permit associated with that bond. It's a quick take a look at it, the cost estimate out of there within days. So, so I, I thought I just want to make sure because I'm not sure I'm following this correctly. So are we talking about changing the way we do the right-of-way permit or well, that was one thing I had to, I, I said, I'll look into it. And I thought maybe that's why it's taking so long. But my understanding talking to this staff, there is no review. There is no right of review associated with that 
uh, bond for the for the plants. Got it. Okay. So it's just a matter of obtaining. So you have to have a right of permit to come through the door so we can really take a look at your cost estimate, approve it and all the heat. There is no review of the actual plants. But you're saying they have to get the permit in order to get the cost estimate? Yeah, you have to have a permit, right? So uh, they are doing the review of plants to get the permit. There is no review, what I'm saying. There is no plans. There is a cost estimate associated with those. Maybe you can help, Gary, because you go through this. Well, I think where I'm going to is that, you know, it gets complicated when you're talking about permits and bonds and then who's waiting on whom because, yeah. you know, from the developer perspective, they're waiting on their bank. That's one issue. You know, if it's, you know, DPS, parking plant, whoever, someone's on vacation, that's, you know, all those are like just part of life. But the maybe where I'm going with this is, you know, a simple thing right now. We got two signatures on the plat and not trying to sidestep the DPS review, but then, you know, then maybe it's the same thing if they issue a memo versus sign the plat. Is there a difference there? Or if that's the time savings, then that's you know maybe the end of the conversation. But the I'm curious with and maybe this also, you know, we're gonna make some recommendations, probably be some follow-up meetings or a plat subcommittee to you know, we do a conditional approval. What do you need to get that conditional approval? And if you still need the bond, that's you know. Has that changed anything? So, and and maybe it will be a recommendation to change Chapter 50 because that's in the subregs right now, or even I know there's some responsibilities from MDE given to the county versus park and planning. So that's that's you know, it gets gets complicated. And sure. you know, the ones that are straightforward, no, no problem. But then if you're waiting on a road to be engineered, you know, reviewed, then you do your cost estimate, then you get your bond. That drags out the plan. So again, there should be no review associated with the road, with the infrastructure, with the construction. And the re the reason for the bond is this is for the for the public because if there are no bonds, uh, the developer could be selling the lots, and nobody is over here to build the infrastructure, the roads, the storm drainage system, the sidewalk, the street lighting, the street trees. These are all part of. So what has happened, it has happened before, and we discussed that last time. If we, when, when you look at the bond that's associated with the amenities, with the site plan, including the private roads, because we only look at the public road, they are bonded because of the same reason. We don't want somebody to come and finish the houses, the road is incomplete, and walk away. And those instances, instances occur back in 2008 and 9, numerous, which the homeowner association came to DPS and all that. What, what's going to happen to us? I'm sorry, there is no bond associated with it. Homeowner association had to pick up the bill to make all the repairs during construction. You only have a base paving, all the construction activities, damages to the road, to the curb and gutter, everything else. They had the homeowner association had to make repairs to all the roads and bear the cost of Topping it, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that. So that's important. You want to do that, we follow whatever the law is, but I just want you to know the consequences of you removing that and not this, there'd be a bond associated with the approval of that plan. So, I, I mean, I hear you because we had similar things with forest conservation where we need to make sure it was done up front versus later because of same the same thing going on. I just think there's got to be a way to I know when we do site plan bonding, for instance, it's a very quick process. 
and I wonder if there's just a way that we can make this faster in some way. I mean, it's it's interesting that they go through, they get a permit, but they don't look at the plans for that. Because the way the system is set up, you have to, it's just like you, for you to have a bond, or you have, you have to have some kind of a site plan. You have to have a well, that's project. Where, that's where I yeah, uh, And I don't think that's what, I'm sorry, but I don't think that is what Isan said, that they get a permit and they don't look at the plans. There are things that are going along, going on, um, on parallel tracks or and there's overlap. That's the nature of the development process. So they will apply, developers will apply for a right-of-way permit and be submitting detailed plans in conjunction with the public right-of-way permit. And that will be going on. Now, what, what maybe you want to be talking about is at what point should the developer then be submitting the cost estimates for the road. I don't know if that's where the issue is coming up or not, but without a doubt, Christina, they absolutely do review the right-of-way plans. Yeah, because to, to Esan's point, you know, how many streetlights, how many, you know, how many feet of curb, you know, how many inlets, all that stuff, part of, you know, is it a million dollars or half a million dollars? So that's all part of the equation. So that's, but if we could do the bond sooner up front, that that's right. That's a that's a. I'm hearing the point is the bond, and, and if we just do the bond up front, I'm I'm not sure why all of these other things are holding up recording of the surveyed property. At the end of the day, the right of way dedication, the surveyed property, and any associated easements that should have already been identified as part of the subdivision plan that was approved by the board shouldn't be changing. They should have. So I'm not sure why all of this other yeah, process right. is then delaying. And that, that's what we got to figure out. Yeah. So is there a commercial reason that maybe drives the timing of the bond because your clients have to shell out some money right yeah they pay for bonds they yeah. pay for the bond i mean is that is that a factor here also i'm sorry yeah and because you're talking about so many bonds associated with that project and some of these bonds especially i'm sorry with the road, it could be sitting for a year or six months until they actually come and you know begin the construction. So that's going to be sitting on the developer's books. Well, most of them, if they post the bond, record the plaque before they're moving dirt. But if they make decision to wait a year, that, that's that's on this. So that's right. I think if we bond every part of site plan, if we bond prior to certification of that plan, then assuming we could do something similar for the preliminary plan. When, it, when it's not going to site plan, we could just bond prior to certification of that plan. Well, and then it wouldn't be. It comes back to, I think, the DPS review and like roads and so forth. So if like after the first review, we can get an estimate or the bond estimate approved, you know, not everything will be buttoned down, but I know there's a contingency in there too to cover the, you know, some of the odds and ends. But that's, that's something that, that we could right. work on. And that was the message to the team that the bonds, as the cost estimate associated, that should be done immediately. But you guys can start on yeah. a lot of as well. We don't want we don't want the developer to be waiting. Yeah. If I that. may, I'm sorry. I I think we I think we have a little bit of the tail wagging the dog here, because really, what is the issue? Where are the delays on the record plat and um? Bond having the developer put the bonds up earlier. I mean, I certainly have no opposition to that, but they pay a percentage for the bond, and I dare say that um, I think they would find it objectionable if they have to put up the bond 
at an earlier point in time. So I, I think that we should really understand where where is the breakdown on the record plat. And I don't think it has to do with reviewers necessarily that what their timeline is. I think there's a the breakdown occurs at a different point. What, Diane, Diane, what is your sense of what that point is or your your, your I, I think um, my sense is and again, I'm not a I, I but I there are others in the room with infinitely more knowledge about this than I have, but I think it relates to the point in time in which it gets to the planning board, whatever there's a delay on. And I just saw a huge delay on a rather complicated project, which actually there were things missing that were supposed to be on um, on the plat that I saw from the college's end of things. So I, you know, I think I, I there definitely it would be worthwhile to simplify a process. Um, I don't think that the things that you're talking about are really going to, to be what simplifies it. Quite frankly. Sure. So um, I mean, you're going to have delay if you're using if you're using engineers that just aren't familiar with the system. So you you are. So that might be part of what Diane's talking about. But it's not. It's not what I'm talking about, Christina. Something totally different. That's another issue which I'd love to talk about. Okay. So the um the thing is is like I'm hearing the actual review, physical review time isn't taking like to look at a plat, it doesn't take that long. And I think Hassan would say the same thing. It actually doesn't take that long. It's the stuff that's hung onto the plat. It's the prerequisites. And that's what's that's what's holding up plats. It's all the prerequisites. And so one of the big ones that my guys told me is right away permit because you have to go through that whole process. But there might be others too. It's just it is all the prerequisites that we have on the plat. You know, you speed something up one place, it get it gets kicked to another. And that's a little bit what you're experiencing here. One of the questions that I have in my mind, I mean, it almost it calls for a process map to, to kind of lay out the steps in the order they have to happen in. Because what I'm hearing is, you know, so the right of way plat, well, the plat also, in addition to establishing the lot lines, it's going to establish the right of way. So, the design, the, the alignment of the road, the width of the sidewalks, the where the trees go, all of that has to fit in that area. So <clears throat> I think there is a good reason why there are things that are conditioned upon the, the right of way plaque. Because once that's recorded, you can always go back and change it. But once that's recorded, that's setting up the public space, right? And we need to make sure that everything, all these amenities fit in the public space, don't we? Yes, and don't we do that at plan review? I mean, why are we waiting until plat? It sounds it, it what you're describing to me, and sorry if I'm not understanding, sounds like we're gonna do our review again at plat and then really decide did we recommend the right right of way? And you know, it just seems like we're waiting. We should be doing our plan review and know those answers at the time of plan review, not plat. At plat, it should just be a recordation, a reflection of what the board and all the agencies agreed and wrote approval letters for approved on that plan. I, I, I don't think and if we need bonding or find, you know, to make sure all those things we agreed on in the configuration that we agreed on were the correct location, then 
now submit a bond that reflects all these things that we approved and will approve that it's certified plan. The plat should be much simpler, but maybe I'm misunderstanding. So the I think just the time frame, and this gives I'll give an example of a two because uh, I know the plat process was updated with the, the subdivision rank update and so forth. But so we get certified site plan shows the roads, you know, all the stuff. We still need to submit a separate plan to DPS for the road, everything in the right of way. And that's reviewing paving, storm drain, all the final engineering dot and I's crossing T's. That's the construction plan versus the site plan. But right now, pretty much it's toward the end. So if that's a four month review, six month review, some are quicker. So in little road versus couple roads, you know, all varies, but um, the we're really not in most of the reviewers right now. You can't do your cost estimate until that second review or toward the end, where they say, "Okay, everything's like settled down. Let's you know count the trees and all that stuff." So if that takes four months, um, then get your cost estimate approved. Then you do your bonding. Then you go get your plant recordation because plant could be sitting there just waiting on the bond. And that that's you know if there's a way to you know, fix that timeline because I'll give you an example of a couple projects we've worked on where the contract says developer is going to sell recorded lots to builder X. OK, and builders buy recorded lots. They, you know, so but if the streets aren't approved or engineered and then the bonds not posted, they're not putting money into the project until at the end versus if you could record the plat with the bond up front or sooner, then they could buy the lot sooner. So that's, you know, it, it, it's giving options to, you know, you know, hopefully, you know, make it shorter. How much shorter? That's a good question, but that's. Um, Can I, I jump in again? Sure, Diane. Steve, so I think that people have to keep a few things in mind that you can piece you know bite away at things and um lose track of why the law is the way it is in some instances you cannot get a building permit unless you have a recorded lot and if you have a recorded lot subject to meeting the various building codes this becomes a ministerial function meaning that if all of the codes are met, the permit has to be issued. So if you don't have the public right of way tied down, Tim was 100% correct about that. If you don't know exactly what the public right of way, which is a different level of lines on a plan than what goes through the subdivision review site plan process. Um, if you don't, you have to have the details on that. You have to have the calculations on that um, to know that it's going to work properly. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, and a developer can build a community which has no proper road, then we are left with a governmental, a community, and a major homeowner um, and economic issues. So I think you should be careful on what you're trying to pull apart here. And I think what Diane is, is talking about is your great establishment plan. This is the curvature of the road, the whole design of the road, the landing, you know everything else that's associated with that road that's going to that plat is approved and if your great establishment plan is not approved um, have, so yeah, I, yeah. i've had my hand up for a while merida 
Um, so very great conversation here, but I'd like to go back to one of the a point that Diane made earlier, which is how long does it take for the planning board to be able to have a hearing on this and approve the record plan? Um, we need to know because if that's if that's maybe that's time where all these things have to be done and and so there's only so much you can lessen the time or if it's a situation where it's just a matter of scheduling then i think that is a fruitful place to look for improvements um and then the other thing is i i strongly support tim's idea of what he called he's more of an engineer and I'm a lawyer, but a process map. And um, I think Gary suggested that we have like a little expert subcommittee, subcommittee that goes over this and makes recommendations to the largest group because it's a whole piece thing. You know, one thing affects the other thing. And there's also major, major policy issues as to how you build a good community um, that people can trust the process. So um, those are just my suggestions because I think we're close to stuff and we're not going to be able to draft the changes while we're sitting here. Um, it's, yeah, it's so, right, so I, yeah. So we're seeing how long it takes just to go through one issue. And I realize this may be more complex than some of the others that we're going to try to address today. But I do wonder whether we're going to find resolution on this in this meeting and whether some subsequent conversation needs to happen among a smaller group. Either either that or whether there are specific based on everything that everyone said so far, are there specific Uh, are there specific proposals to put on the table of what might reduce timelines without creating further problems? Sharice. My question is related to the memo that Christina put together and trying to figure out if Gary's question, which led to this conversation, speaks directly to this part, which speaks to what Meredith was just saying that this seems to be really tied around the, the board approval versus just having the director sign. So was the conversation that we just had most relevant to this piece or like a subsequent part of this piece? This is a double question here. So it's, I need it's the other out. it's the other part. It's, it's actually not part. related to this question. OK, so and so. what Meredith just to add on what Meredith was just saying about saving time, you know, how does it take to get to the board and all that? The conditional approval piece that we all already agreed on and I'm start already drafting language for that deals with the saving the two or three weeks that it takes okay. to the board. So that part would save time. And now we need to make a decision on on this one. Okay. And just to be clear, so that is about getting, um, giving time for signatures to be gathered, but the process is still moving forward. Yes, yes. about electronic signatures as well. Right. We also right. said right. was going right. to save time. And we, just, so we yes. made decisions here that I think we already yeah. we, we talked about electronic signatures and we've looked into it a lot. It's not as easy as as all that. So that might not actually be able to be a thing yet. Is it a state? Because 
I can apply my PE seal to a set of plans electronically. Is it a state law? It's a it's a couple things. It's it's the way that that record plats are kept by the state archives. It's still on mylar. Um, it's it's a, there's there's a couple different things. I need to dig into it a little bit more before I can come back. But it's just it's not as simple as we were hoping it might be, even though it's technically allowed in many ways now. Um, we can't. It's because plats are still done in a very specific way on mylar. It must be kept that way. I remember because I used to be a consultant. You have to wait all night for the mylars to print because they take a long time for the ink to dry. I mean, you send them overnight, but you would apply all of the signatures. They would be approved. There would be a PDF document, and then you can create the mylar with the signatures and the certification after the fact. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm struggling with the if it's good enough for a set of engineering documents that come with all the liability, right. if I mean, the building doesn't fall down. in the dark ages with it, but that yeah. is really okay. Stay there. I mean, I think that I keep saying like, that's the beauty of this group, the ability to move the state into the future yeah. and the county and everybody into the future. And like, that's not working because it's old and we're in 2023 and this is what we're proposing. So budget for it so we can do that to make it be simple. So can I put a pin in this because we are looking at that and I agree Sharice like if if we can make this recommendation now since we are opening up the state laws to to change whatever needs to be changed yeah. and it's a little yeah. it's a little weird the way it's all in there so it's not as clear cut but if we can do that now great and we're going to look into it um but it's it's a little bit more of a complicated thing than we were hoping but, but but we were going through the same thing and we had talked to the state and during COVID they allowed us to do like COVID and all that and that's what we've been continuing to do it but it's worth to look yeah, at it, it but maybe I'm breaking yeah, state law yeah. now but you have <laughs> your own flats You're on COVID. Yeah, I signed them digitally <laughs> today but do you still put them on mylar yeah we record them and everything yeah but so, you put them on mylar yeah, but I I it's signed digitally. I never actually oh, apply a signature to a signature. So you print out okay. the signature on the mylar. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's be doing the same yeah. thing. So, like I said, to be continued on that one, I don't have all the data yet. To, so we'll have to bring, we can talk about this at the next work. And I think I threw out a, another hand grenade because all the stuff at the end with the board is all great. And then signatures, maybe that's a wish list thing to do homework on. But I was trying to see if there's a way to shorten the, the review bonding, which is going to be a DPS conversation. We could have a you know, slide meeting on that. Apple. Independent of when we get to the board, because that I think there's some opportunities there. So I'm I jumping don't... back in because I never finished my question. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is a two part question because I, I'm trying to help us get back to this memo that um, and there were things on here that I remember from the last meeting. There were some concerns that if it's just signed by the director versus going to the board. So I don't have as um, you know, in-depth knowledge about all of these things. So I just kind of put question marks next to them. I think you did a good job here and it would probably be pretty easy to go through these. And if it's not all of the things that currently lay under minor subdivision that could go to the director for signature, maybe there's a bulk of them and just maybe like a couple that still need a, a different type of review. Is that? possibility like sure. some not all but maybe that's progress 
Yeah, I mean, that, that would, yes. Okay. It, it, everything's a possibility really at this point. Okay, so I remember the outlock conversation uh, from Meredith being a concern with only having a director's signature. And I think that has something to do with the right of way. I don't remember all of that. And then the consolidation in the rural residential and residential detached zones. So those were two that I just had question marks because they don't speak as clear to me as some of the other ones. So I'm just throwing those out there for the sake of let's address this you know, admin versus minor, because it was a great, you know, idea as to how we can move things forward. And just to be clear, so you're talking about number two and number three under the bullet yes. minor subdivision, right? Yes. Okay. So number three is consolidation. So you have two lots and now you're consolidating to, to one. So that's not going to have, in my opinion, like a negative impact in any way that I can think of. Um, so that one, I, I, not sure that we need to worry about that one as much. Number two, um, yes, it did come up last time about conversion, converting an outlaw into a lot. When an outlaw is allowed to be converted into a lot, it's already been on a plat somewhere. It's already gone through the preliminary plan process. It was an outlaw because it didn't meet certain specific things at the time, but now it can meet those things. So, and it's all very like technical, like it was able to get perks and now can have a well. So now you can have a, you know, so it, it's it's all, which is your typical um, issue, by the way, right. is, is the septic. So that's that's what you see with, with that. Um, so is there any, okay, so we, what we don't have here is like a process. I'm used to like, if you're on a board, then like, okay, everybody vote. Like, is that this situation? Do we all need to like vote and agree on these things? Or can we just say, you know what I mean? I mean, she's done this work. So I'm asking questions just because I'm asking questions based on my limited knowledge on these things, not because I have any opposition to what, what's being presented. No, it's a good point. We haven't but, talked about how do we come to shared agreement on stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, Meredith, could I make a comment, please? Um, Meredith, let me let me just let me just finish, sure, let me just sorry. finish real quick, okay, and then you can. Yeah, yes. um, so uh, my thought is going to be hard to come in these in these meetings in August, maybe in uh, the first one or so in September, to come to agreement on kind of the wording of something with all twenty of us. And so, what I'm thinking is. In between meetings, we go back and kind of summarize what we think we heard, where we seem to land, and then bring that back in front of the group, both prior to the meeting to ask for your review, prior and any issues, comments, and then you know when we're getting closer to the 27th, around the 27th, we're kind of going through. So, do we have agreement here? Do we not have agreement here? But I, I, I my concern is trying to get agreement now when it's still some of this stuff is kind of ambiguous that we may not really know what we're what we're signing on or not signing on to. But you're we have we have not clarified that, so I think it's a really good point to bring up right now. Go ahead, Meredith. Yeah, thank you, Steve. That um, thanks for that summary. Um, all I want to say is that, as I said the last time, my concern is always does the public, is there transparency so that the public knows what is going on? And that's the problem when you when you switch to administrative signatures because you know the board may be slow and all, but it's a 
process. And if you see a plan approval on the agenda, you can go and write and ask for a, a public hearing. Um, so I think for me, the minimum here would be if it's an administrative change, there has to be a published notice to the public within a time period with which they could object. And that could be on the board agenda. Um, there are different ways to do it. The board agenda is obviously the most, uh, that's the way we typically do things is to put it on the board agenda and that is a public notice um, but to do that. The question here, though, is whether the minor subdivision. Yeah, no, I'm saying anytime it becomes just an administrative act, that there'd be some notice at the time that it's signed. It's just for the next board agenda. You report that. Okay, they just be the a list of them. Am I wrong, Christy? When you look at the back of the sheet here, when you look at administrative subdivisions, you've got site posting written notice to the applicant. Yeah, but we're talking minor um, and right now record plat just has notice for it with it being posted on the board's agenda. It doesn't do any other kind of official notice. Um, and if we did the minor where it goes to the planning director, it wouldn't have it wouldn't be posted on an agenda because it's going to the planning director. There's other kinds of posting. Required. I mean, could yeah. we build that in somehow? I mean, right. I don't know if it saves time so for the minor. I think that's the that's the like the minors. If you look at all the minor subdivision, like they're really more private. And I think, you know, to Meredith's point about alerting the public is for things that can have more of an impact on the public. That's why I'm like, let's look at what she has under minor. I brought up two. One it's like, OK, that's not really a big deal. Just consolidating a lot. OK, fine. If two, the outlot is not really a big deal or is a big deal because of septic, then maybe that one comes out. That's that's kind of where I'm at <laughs> with it. Yeah, I agree with that's assuming. I'd ask Libu to go first, and is that Meredith? Yes. Right, uh, you you can go second. Go ahead, Libu. Yeah, I agree with Sharice. I mean, the reason that these are called that these are minor is because they're not things that are going to have public opposition. Most of them only affect the actual private property owner. And I get it. Obviously, we want to be transparent and that is part of it. But I think if there's anything that you're going to streamline that the public isn't really commenting on these. So personally, I'm fine with these being signed by the director. And they're not being noticed on the agenda. Three weeks is a long time. Yeah, and I can honestly say I have never seen somebody oppose a minor ever. And, you know, and those go to the, the board right now, so they could theoretically show up to oppose. I've, I've never seen it happen. I guess that's that's my question. I, I'm sorry, I was misleading before, but when I look on the back and I see that there's notice requirements for my, for administrative, and we're talking about minors that you're saying currently now go to the board, but if we're going to streamline this, wouldn't they, couldn't they get notice, but then they don't go to the board? Is that... I don't think I don't understand anything. how like the administrative gets noticed, but also gets signed by the director. Like that, no. that's just the corollary, right? So it's just so put aside admin stuff. 
just minor is a plat. It's not a plan. So it's a it's a plat. And it's a plat that currently just goes to the board like any other plat. But in Prince George's, they don't take them to the board. It's already in state law that they take them to the director and get them signed because they're so minor in nature that they had decided whenever they put that in state law, it didn't need to go to the board. So um, if you don't take it to the board, it won't be on the board's agenda. Because what they decide to do with the plat will become public. Like if they, if you consolidate and now they've got, you know, a larger parcel and now they want to subdivide that plat, then that is a whole other process. And then that does become public information and the public will maybe have an opportunity if, because it's more of a site plan situation on what they yeah, do with the yeah, plat. So well, it's, it's already recorded by then. So um, the reason I, I'm very concerned about this. One, I served on the board you know, during the whole Clarksburg thing, and I won't go into all the details about that, but part of that was an administrative issue uh, within the planning department. Two, we've just had a situation where it was discovered that some major amendments to plans were going on the consent calendar as minor amendments when in fact they didn't really qualify as minor amendments. So that's what sunshine's all about, eyes on a process. And yeah, I mean, Montgomery County's record on this is, I would, I would tout it to anybody in the world. It's, it's, we're amazingly, I mean, you know, Clarksburg was a long time ago, but things do happen, things have happened recently and in my mind, just a simple way to put uh, that uh, planning director's decision or signature that that happened on the agenda or some sort of public notice, I think is important because we're all assuming that everybody's just going to do those categories that, that were just read off. But, you know, things happen and we're talking about a change that, you know, be for a very long time. So that's my concern. So Meredith, are you are you suggesting to after the planning director signs the miners that we just put on the next board's agenda that these these minor subdivisions were signed off by the planning director? Well, I am, but again, like as you're saying, for when you're researching different things, I'd have to look at, at you know if there's an ability to challenge that action within a certain number of days or something once you got notice of it. Otherwise, you'd have to do the notice before she does it. And if there's an opportunity to challenge, then you didn't save any time, so there was almost no point in doing it at all. Like, I think it's either the director signs it and it's not on agenda and there's no challenge, or the board just continues to sign it. I feel like that's really the only two options here. Can I ask a question? I mean, if we started off just by saying it's already done in Prince George's County. And did they grapple with this question? Do we know? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's been in the state law for a really long time. So, yes, concerned with the consent agenda, like who's responsible for signing off something going on a consent agenda and becoming a minor issue versus an administrative issue. So we don't have a consent agenda anymore. Everything, everything goes on the board. So the concern is so that concerns no more. Well, that's because of what happened, though. That's why you don't have a consent agenda anymore, oh, okay. because of the things that 
occurred that I'm just describing. So, so I guess the, the question I have, so I'm, I'm not sure um, there's clarity on the outlaw issue, whether it belongs in here or not. But I mean, in, in general, just to kind of test the temperature, you know, um, it sounds like there's still sounds like there's still um, a difference of opinion on whether minor should just go to the director and that's it. I mean, it can be, you know, if I, if I heard correctly, it could be communicated at a next planning board meeting that here are all the minors that the director signed off on, but not with an opportunity to say, oh, well, I don't agree with that. And then it opens up the process again. It would just be purely here's what we did kind of thing, right? So, but I, I just want to be clear before we move on to the next one, because again, I don't want to spend too, too much time here. In general, are people comfortable with the proposal that's on the table about for minor subdivisions that it could be signed off solely by the director? It could be communicated, right? Could be communicated, however, in, in a number of methods, right? At a meeting, in a, in a press release, in a, on a website, right? Yeah, I guess we're back to the how are we voting thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not asking for a vote right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to get like how much opposition is there uh, to to going in this direction la as laid out in this memo? Maybe summarize what I think I've heard. I think, I think people generally, I feel like I agree with this. I feel like to address Meredith's comment, maybe we could look at something like when I go to pull a noise waiver, I have to apply there has to be a public posting. It's 10 days. And then the guy, the program manager at DEP signs it. If but they do get feedback. Like people complain about our noise labors, but you know, sometimes, you know, if you have like you're working in state right away, they won't let you work during the day. You gotta work at night. You know, so be it. But but perhaps if is that reasonable? Five business days, ten business days to build into that process. They yeah. really don't. That's the thing. I don't want to add new notice to record plats, guys. We don't have record plats. Don't have to do that. So yeah. I don't. I, I just was trying yeah. to trying to take yeah, an yeah. example from another. Gary. Yeah. So two questions. I'll do file Sharif's two questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this list is all in the code right now, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's just yeah. for info. So yeah. this this isn't new to anyone, but no, I think Levu summarized it well because the we're trying to save some time and some of it's shorter versus longer times. But if I think there's two options on the table, you do the plan director signs based on this criteria, or if you want a notice period, it's what we have now where it goes. You have a two week yeah. notice, you go to the planning board. Yeah, and there's no longer keep it as is. consent items, etc. So do you keep it as is or do you change it? And that I think that's going to be the question. Okay. So. so um, I'm going to have us move on. No, I need an answer. Okay. Actually, I do. I need an answer. So we, is this, is this for state? Yes. yes. Okay. So we, need, we came to an answer last okay. time. I know we we can do it. Can I just need it. to know which way we're going on this one. Okay. Because if we're going to say no, then we're going to say no and move on. Right, if we're going to say yes, I'm going to write the, the change. I oh, thought we had a way to streamline a little bit, but it, it's causing heartburn, then 
I mean, I think we right. so, so because okay. this has state implications, yeah. I'm going to ask people to kind of weigh in here. I, I guess we'll do hand vote and I'll ask people online if there's any opposed to moving forward with the way uh, the memo has this laid out. Can I ask two questions first sure. related to what I just heard? Um, so I would like to have a little bit of a better understanding why Christina is opposed to doing, as Tim suggested, with some type of a notice for this discrete category. And I would also like to know if that were to be the case, if Meredith feels that, that her concern would be addressed. So my thing is, Diane, is I just don't want to do even more notice for the most minor of the record plaque categories. I, you know, if if you want to have some sort of um, public notice that something happened, then you should keep the way that it is. It's on the agenda and they can see it on the agenda. I don't want to add a new level to the most minor of minors. <laughs> um, that doesn't that doesn't exist. So that's that's why. Well, um, uh, to Diane's question, yes, that that kind of a process would uh, take care of my objections because the public then get gets notice and knows about it. And you can say, well, it's the minor of the minor, and the things that are in there are are minor if they are followed. But the record plat itself is a very important document because it's the basis for the property you own, that whether you can sell it and what your boundaries are. And um, we just don't realize how important it is because we've done such a great job in in keeping them all straight and legal and and meeting all these uh, strenuous requirements. So yes, that would be, I thought uh, Tim's idea or his example was great. And and Christina, if you're putting it on now, that it's gonna, it's noticed that it's gonna be on the planning board agenda, would it be more of an effort than just to simply put it on the way you would and just say, not for planning board action, but for um, director action? Without so, but then what's the point? Because at that point, by the time that agenda is out, it's probably already signed. Or, or even if you do it ahead of time, I, I'm I'm assuming that we would make this change, that it would go to the director. But if someone does come out and object, that we would end up taking it to the board. So I think all this conversation is leading to more time, not less. I, I think. Uh, we notice it right now on the agenda. If someone objects, they can come and object on the agenda and the board right there can make their decision whether they approve, deny or or whatever. So, I mean, I mean, I, I don't it's know. It's a fair point. That's a fair point, Patrick. Well, my, my, my question is, the agenda has only so much space, right? No, it's, it's, it's you can have an, you can have whatever. Okay. So I, I didn't know that was when I was like, okay, yeah. how much stuff and how late can you put it on? Can you add to the agenda? And if you if all you needed to do was say five business days and put it on your website, that might accomplish what Meredith is is saying, and and then the planning director makes the decision. And if 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 he decides, you know what, I'm getting a ton of feedback on this one, which I would think is probably for these ones rare, then you know he doesn't sign and he does get on the agenda. 
to what I mean, back to Levu's point and that Gary brought up and that I think everybody who's directly involved in this process is continuing to stress that doesn't functionally save us any time or change anything from the current standing of the process. And to the extent, yeah, to the extent that our goal is to find efficiencies and work on that, this is creating extra work and a new change in the process that's going to distract us from being able to try to find those efficiencies. And I guess that kind of goes back, it back to like, we back had, to my process had, had map kind of question, because, like, you know, I'd like to understand the process and see if you, if that, what we're suggesting would actually streamline things or not. It's, it's, it's hard to say without mapping it out, but. I think it streamlines things, but the concern is that does it leave room for error? All this stuff leaves room for error, period. So, I mean, there's some level of accountability that then falls on the director to make a decision. Like, you're signing off, you're reviewing, do you feel this is in your wheelhouse or not? And then there's some level of trusting whoever's responsible for hiring the director to have that level of responsibility and accountability. I mean, to be honest, putting it on the agenda. I mean, people probably aren't even reading like for the for this <laughs> level of stuff. The people who like we were talking about always want the notices like you want a clerk's notice in Clarksburg about something that's going on in downtown Silver Spring and that's not your jurisdiction, but you just want that information. They're not going to be looking at these things and if they were, then they probably would have caught whatever got missed. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be um, dismissive at all. I'm just saying like there is a level of accountability and there is a level of making sure that the public interest uh, is protected. But these specific nine items in the minor sector, I think, are what we're looking at exclusively. And if we want to tie it to the summary sheet that Pam, you know, created for us under Platt, it says there's a couple of them here. What? Allow planning director to approve all record plats? No. <laughs> Allow planning director to approve <laughs> minor, you know, record plats or whatever the language needs to be. And then I think there's allow for digital signatures for plat approval. Yes, come into the future. We, we need to do that right now. We need to, COVID taught us that. So that's a COVID thing. Require only one signature for plat approval. Maybe just for the minors, because is that what we're talking about? You know what I mean? Like, so that would knock out a whole little section here if we could just answer these questions. I thought that the plat was a more complicated discussion. This might be even worse than that. Are we talking about practice or talking about Christine, you said that from your knowledge, nobody has ever commented. On a minor subdivision. To my knowledge, honest, honestly, so, and I've been here 15 years. I do feel like that combined with the fact that it's allowed in PG County. Now, does PG County uh, notice it at all after the fact? I don't know the answer to that question. Like either. maybe we look and see, like, okay, let's, it's MMC PPC for a reason, right? Where the two counties are combined in a lot of ways. So let's look and try and be consistent in that regard and 
I'm going to jump out there as uh, someone who does business in Prince George's County, like Montgomery County's process and all this level is a lot more detail oriented just in general. So the fact that they're doing it, I don't know that you're going to find the answer that you're looking for. I'm just saying, I'm just, you know. I mean, I, I, it seems like the issue on the table here is just around transparency. I mean, do people find out about it? How do they find out about it? When do they find out about it? If if we have like, I mean, two, I think kind of the point that Sharice was trying to make a while ago with how do we move on from when we have a topic or not? And we have a limited amount of time as you started us off with Steve to try to come to some consensus and make some recommendations. And we're going to have to figure out how to pick. And and I think it's one way to do that here is, as Lilu said, there are really are kind of two clear options. We should probably pick one of the two so that we can get at least on and address other things. If there's a, if folks have concerns about the transparency issues and the stuff with moving to a director approval and signature for the minor subdivision flats, then the answer is let's keep it as it is, not let's spend a lot of time creating another option to do that it's it's fine if we just leave it as it is if you have concerns that's great let's move on to another place where we can search for consensus to maybe find some efficiencies um if it helps i'm online now and it says under prince george's county council a minor plan of subdivision may be approved by the planning director and requires no public notice all right so so for christina's sake putting together this memo doing the kind of the research laying this out for us can we uh, so let me just see in the room hands if you're in support of changing it along the lines of how the mayo's uh, the memos laid it out put your hand up i okay everyone's hand is up look uh, online if you could just let me know if there are any nays i'm not hearing any nays is anyone on mute no i'm a nay i'm just i raised my hand to be I'm opposed. So I guess my second question, which I didn't realize we were going to starting the voting thing, but <laughs> does this group need to be unanimous? Or can we just note in the report, it was, I don't know, I'm going to be asked, I don't know how many people are in the group. It was 10 of 11 or something like that. Can we just I like note that? Numbers. I would say consensus of the group. Like consensus and if somebody has dissenting things. I, I think there might be an issue about whether you how many people need to be at the meeting. It looks like we have plenty today, but then I agree um, with Pam. I think we could if I believe the word that was used was consensus of the group, is, which doesn't mean unanimous. So. No, but I'm talking about a quorum. I, I'm just saying you've got to have enough people that the decision is representative of the group. Means I think we have plenty of people today, consensus but I'm just raising that. Sharice made the suggestion to look at each of these, and it sounded like, and maybe I'm wrong, it sounded like the outlaw was sort of the, the one giving reservation. Is it possible to say, okay, yes, for one through nine and make two outlaws be handled through the- I'm not actually sure if Meredith is outlaw, the one you're objecting to. It sounds to me like she's objecting to all or of them. Or were there others, yeah. Well, no, I, I was objecting to the lack of notice, uh, notice just what he said, the transparency issue. But I was particularly concerned about the outlot because it's potentially there's a potential change in a, a pending ZTA that would then 
you know, um, automatically allow building on out lots and then you could do it all as a minor subdivision and all of a sudden people got this house going up in this little pie-shaped lot near them. So um, that's my concern that the Good. out lot right now is, you know, there aren't that many. And it's not, but they, there could end up being a whole lot. So, so um, maybe in an effort to try and achieve like a compromise, could the memo reflect that? I mean, the committee isn't going to make the change to the law. The committee is going to make a recommendation, and that's going to be, and this is to state law, right? Or is it to, this is to state this law? Is state, so the delegate so, will probably do this. So, could the committee also? in its memo state that we had a robust discussion about the notice requirements and recommend that you know that be consider i mean i'm just trying to get to can we get to a recommendation it seems like the the administrative process works if we can solve the this notice thing can we say hey look we didn't have enough time to get into notice I, I honestly i cannot see how we can spend a whole hour on this one issue like we continue to say we either leave it because the notice is more important or we make the change because prince george's is doing it it seems like it hasn't been a problem and montgomery county hasn't been having issues or anybody complaining we have to just make a choice i don't we are spending so much time on one little bullet and i i'm we're never going to get to the I mean, I think if we've all voted and that's the consensus of the group is we're going to move forward with the amendment. Is where I I think we're at if we're going with consensus. So, right, and where I was going to go with Amanda's question, the two things, process-wise, is what we just had the consensus on to move forward with uh, minor subdivisions, director, no notice, similar Prince George's. The content, which is already in the code. We want to change one of these. That would be a follow-up item to change the code, which is a whole different pro. So we've got process of how to do this, but then the content would be changing the code and subregs or zoning or whatever has to be changed right now, or the sub subdivision regulations. And that's a whole different process that we can. That is a very good point. Tackle yeah. later. Because so. all the state law is saying is. You, you can, can do director do signature. We can go back to chap. That's a good point. We can go back to chapter 50 and do a bill about the notice piece. Yeah, so we have a big old flat work group for another umpteen years to meet. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, thank so, you, Christina. <laughs> thanks, Gary. <laughs> so, as we, uh, as we all know, this has been a slow process so far. I mean, one of the things that I, I'm I'm trying to get a sense of because I don't know anything about minor plats, administrative plats. I mean, how big an issue is this? Because we're spending a lot of time on this issue. And it honestly, to me, in the whole ball of wax of all the testimony that's been given, this feels pretty low priority. Right? Well, Steve, for outlots, it actually is more significant than you might think. And I understand if we could carve that out and everything else, I'm I'm okay with it. Meredith's point on outlots, and I'm sorry, but you you know you can always see when the hands are up. But um, outlot, there are a lot of outlots actually, and outlots are created as part of a subdivision process to begin with, where the community has certain expectations, and there are reasons that something has gone into an outlot. And once it moves from being an outlot, which is not buildable, to something that is buildable, that is different. And so I actually do understand uh, where Meredith's coming from. And this this single point, there are many outlots on subdivision plats. 
Okay, so um, that's noted. I think perhaps outlots needs to be deliberated on a little bit more, but in general, I think the decision is we're going forward with what, what the memo states and figure out how that kind of translates what gets brought to the delegate. And part of that outside discussion will be kind of where does outlots belong in that? Yeah, we do like one or two a year. Right. Okay. All right. So let's move to notice process. Let's move to to notice process. So we covered a lot of this. Um, we covered a lot of this last time. So we talked about expanding to to one mile, expanding. I think we agreed to expanding to five miles um, for civic associations and HOAs. Is that right? Uh, we, I can't remember if we fully addressed the kind of the centralized place. We agreed with it, but not how it would happen. Right. Okay. Um, so centralized place being somewhere online where people can find it, right? Um, so it's agreed, but not kind of the logistics. Um, so I don't believe we talked about the fourth bullet creating a prohibition against commissioners and uh, maybe tangentially we talked about the fifth bullet here. So so let's let's focus on the prohibition one here. Against do a quick roundup of like what came out of last. So okay, sure. We've already um, started redrafting the signs to make them a little bit easier to understand what's going on, um, including a QR code. Um, so we're looking at, at doing that change. We have looked into the possibility of, you know, setting up this. I think Amanda and Tom and I had talked briefly afterwards about setting up an opt-in email where people can opt in to receive notices for pretty much everything. And um, you know, potentially giving that to the developers of the applicants ahead of time so that they can send their notice for their pre-submission meetings also to that to that email list. Um, I think that those changes help with visibility and especially the fact that a lot of the um, civic associations might not be passing on or the, especially the HOAs might not be passing on the information to the folks that actually live there. Um, so those were some of the changes that we were or that we're already working on. Great. Amanda supports that. Um, all right, so can we move to the fourth bullet here? And again, if folks want to kind of dig into the testimony itself, you can either do so in your electronic copy or hard copies that are here. I so have a question about this one. So creative prohibition about giving advance notice implies notice is still going out, but a commissioner happened to mention it to somebody before the notice went out. Yes. Okay. Well, it's more than that to several people to sort of, you know, um, get support. But if the notice is still going out to everyone, this might sound harsh, but I guess I don't see the problem. It, like giving certain people a week or two heads up 
to get testimony together. So they are just having the public more is time. aware. Yeah. So is I guess then is the problem that the regular notice time isn't enough. Oh, I think it's just this idea that right that somebody is telling a certain person or group that something's going to happen before the official notice has been sent. I see. And again, it gives them that additional they get time that additional to, week to work on it. To, yeah. To, Right, it, it, it's a fairness issue. Right? Okay. Like everyone should be treated the same. Well, and also, if the notice is good, if they're giving out the notice before the staff report is out, um, I, I find that a bit concerning. I mean, you can talk generally about we're working on X initiative, but if you if you start talking about a staff report that's no that is not yet a public document in any kind of detail. Um, well, I don't think it's about the staff report. I think it's about whether the notice has been provided to the community via a sign or anything else. I mean, once things are publicly noticed, and that means just people are aware that something's going to happen. I don't. I mean, I don't think there's a problem with somebody saying. So the so the issue is how, how many commissioners do you have? You have five. So I'm a little concerned. I confused. So this is policy initiatives. So policy initiatives are not going to be development review. That was my. I was confused for a second. That's. That's something else. Are we talking development review? So, are we talking right. It's, and with development review, everybody's noticed from the very beginning of the pre-submission meetings to the, you know, there's a big sign out front to all the other things we talked about. And the commissioners themselves are prohibited from talking to people. They, but they are like, they are prohibited legally from talking to people about development review applications that are before the planning board. So I don't think that this is talking about that. I, I the, the words here, policy initiatives might just be referring to all of that versus like specific policy initiatives. I, I think it's what the testimony is. I remember the testimony talking about master plans. That's think, a different well, thing. I think it's covering all of it, that there shouldn't be advance notice to certain special groups or individuals for master plans for individual projects for, for all the above. Well, so well, as I understand the ex parte rules, a uh, commissioner can discuss a plan until there's a complete application. Right, but that's way before before an application is is accepted and before the 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 um, yeah, as before an application is like quote unquote real in our system, yes, but that's way before there's an actual hearing on that. Let, let me just well, no, because they could, have, they could have filed one application, but it's not accepted, and you go through this, and it's it's going to be you know uh, eventually accepted, but it's right at the time, and then it goes straight to the DRC meeting, and so it can be an important time. I was going to say, I want to make sure everyone understands that for a development review application, when that application is filed, staff and planning board members understand that they are prohibited with speaking, uh, especially with, with staff, members of the public, et cetera, on that application until the hearing. Um, now, if we're talking about master plan, text amendments, any other initiatives, then uh, you know, understanding is the rules are a little different, but um, they can speak on this and take in input from their constituents. How that's done, um, I think, is what you're getting at. 
I think it's when reports get into the hands of groups or individuals before they're publicly posted. Is the how issue. that would report a staff report or a or a master plan? Well, not not because the board doesn't even have the not, staff. Report. Not a master yeah. plan, but and and to be honest, this applies not just to commissioners. I guess it's also. Our planning board members never get our staff reports until they're posted for public consumption. And on the agenda, there's, there's like some specific there. examples of this, which maybe should be talked about at some point. So, so my my sense of this, again, trying to now be more vigilant about keeping us on time, is that at least the way this is worded, which is fairly vague and could apply to lots of different things, it sounds like with regard to development review, they're, they're, um, the commissioners are currently prohibited by law from doing that, right? Yes. So like if they do do it, there's consequences, right? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I think I understand the sentiment behind this, which again, it's kind of a transparency, fairness, equity issue that probably most of us, if not all of us, kind of agree with that sentiment, but I don't think it's directly pertinent to the work of this group. So I'm gonna, I found the person yeah. who sent it in, like we have her name, and she talks about a specific time this happened to her. So this sounds like a so maybe, maybe somewhat on follow the other, up on the other spreadsheet, but we also follow up and directly possibly, on you know, when we write those two or three sentences, which is like what happens next, there could be a recommendation that, you know, maybe there's a review of the rules of procedure, you know, um, or, training on the rules of procedures again on a regular basis with staff and with commissioners just to ensure that everyone understands that they're not talking out of turn when they're not supposed to. Okay, so let's look at the next one, which is around ensuring the public is properly and timely informed about the board schedule and items to be considered at each boarding and board meeting and other meetings. That's the journey now. That deals right with with the board agenda getting amended at the last minute. Um, and so that the public, you know, doesn't have enough time to see it and doesn't isn't able to appear. I think that's. That's what I remember the letter saying. And recently there have been a lot of changes in the agenda. The testimony that's written around that also just speaks to the time in general, even without the um, the changes. So what is the timeline? The notice the, the timeline for being notified about what's on the board agenda. What is that currently? Do we? Ten, ten days. Ten days. So they're asking for more notice. Is that possible? Well, that will add time to everything. No, I think what they're asking for is that you can't make a change within the 10 days. Right. Yeah, it's, or, it's or maybe like, like, but changes are going to actually push it. So there's nothing added within the 10 days, but sometimes things are postponed because of a multitude of issues that might come up. And so that's going to actually add your notice time. You're, you're, you're going to have even more time to look at that and, and be prepared. Um, so nothing is ever added within 10 days? Not anything regulatory, but things that are not regulatory. I mean, some things, right, but development reviews all regulatory. 
So again, this might be again something that it's is in court. So okay, so yeah, but not development review. It's not so, development review, but there's definitely noticing issues. I think you know at times. Want to address that? You know, the, the community needs time to know that things are happening, and so three days before the planning board meeting, a briefing on X doesn't happen if people feel like so those come on and off, but they're not development review. Right. So I think it's important, but uh, right, we notice that it. Yeah. Okay. Because development review has very strict timelines and that's why sometimes you know yeah now that i'm reading this again it, this is definitely on the policy side because we it's it's very stringent on the regulatory side right. and what those rules are, are very stringent on so the, can we put a pin in this then for yeah. to address okay. it separately yeah, so i've got it in the notes here and all right so and then i wanted to raise a notice question which i raised the last meeting um I don't think any of these recommendations address the issue of notice to the BIPOC population. And the comments on that are all in the public involvement uh, title. Public, and, and so uh, it's particularly a letter from you know, one constituent, but reaching that population is a, is a different kind of issue. And I think it's very important that um, we acknowledge that issue and then we make some suggestions to improve the notice. And I mean, there's a whole report that we could bring in from this uh, consultant that was hired over the Thrive Montgomery uh, plan about the lack of notice and what needs, what kinds of things need to be done, what kinds of things they did to, to get uh, minority participation. So I, I think it's important that we address that. I fully agree that we should address it and if needed, maybe move up the public involvement in our priority list, but that we should wait till we get to public involvement to talk, to talk about. So Meredith, you're saying that, that at least one, if not more comments about this showed up, uh, currently shows up in public involvement categories. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm fine with we waiting as long as we recognize that. Right it's now, it's twelfth on the list, so. but it's not like just general public involvement. It's not like, gee, we just want everybody to come. It's right. actually notice so that the public knows that they can participate and what the what the issues are. It, it relates to the to the formal notice, right? right. So, so, so I think that's a really good suggestion to make sure, and we can take a look at whether public involvement category moves up either in this meeting or top of the agenda next meeting. Um, just, just so people are aware, I was part of the consultant team that did that report to um, for Thrive 2050, and yeah, there are major issues there that don't just apply to development review. I mean, it applies to kind of everything that planning does, right? So. Again, but it does I, apply to development review too. But yeah, no, yeah. it does. It applies to everything that planning does, right? Yes, I think yes. when we get to, we just need to make sure that we're looking at it with the DR lens and perspective. All right. So thank you, Meredith, for bringing that to our attention. And the other thing that I would say is, and I can't remember exactly where, and I don't have the memo with me, but the memo, I think, before it lays out all the things that we need to address, does state the importance of using a racial equity lens in in kind of our deliberations. So I, again, I think that's really important that you reminded of, us of that. All right, okay. so so let's let's move to intake. 
And so there were two summary bullets there. Implement a specific time frame for the acceptance of an application was one. Limit the review of applications that intake to submission of material, not substance of material. And Pam, I don't know if, since you know you were the summarizer, if you want to say anything more about each of those things. So some of them are repetitive. These were the two main things. Um, and the only thing, so you know, I know that Christina will talk about because when we were rewriting the code, part of this came in the code rewrite. Very specific things about what has to get looked at at intake, um, so that it's it is a it is a basically a checklist. I know that what we're hearing it sounds like is that some people feel like it's not being treated as a checklist. So that that's going to be an issue to talk about. I think if you, I think if you are not careful, I just recall this from kind of the large discussions we had at that time. The more, um, the less detailed you are about what you need for intake you are literally just going to extend that time once the application gets accepted. Mm -hmm. So you aren't shortening any time because then you will be accepting things that are less precise. They're going to basically cause the reviewers to need to get more information and spend more time looking at the application. The idea was to be as specific as possible about what you need to have that application accepted so that when it gets to the review, you've got everything you need in front of you. And it is not meant to be that the intake individual is being um, an evaluator of the substance of the issues on the checklist, but just that they are truly complete. And I know there's a lot of gray area there. So, yeah. But that's. So that's, I'd it, like to talk it, about since just very quickly, it, and it, but it seems like there's a connection between these two bullets in terms of what, what's being recommended. Yes. So I'd like to talk about just intake team is on my team. So um, ever since we had the development review retreat and we looked at those items and we made those changes. The next step was to start changing things and trying to make intake a better process because, you know, I, I hear from people a lot about the intake process. Um, and we have made a, a bunch of changes, although it might not be as obvious to folks recently because we also have a record number of applications in right now. So I have I have one, two, three people that do intake. And so their responsibility is to look at every application as it comes in and make sure that it meets the checklist. It is a checklist. Um, changes that we have made to make this faster is we looked at the, we recently reviewed the checklist again, put it in an easier format because before it was much, it was in a convoluted format and um, made sure that we're only looking for the stuff that we absolutely need. We met with the lead reviewers. Do you absolutely need this? And, and did all that. We removed a few things and now we have the list of and it's literally check boxes like is this here? Is this done correctly? Um, now another the next step we're taking and it should be done by the fall because I'm getting my team's getting really close with it is we're going to have a checklist that the applicant is also going to use and it's a very similar checklist to what we have internally and they're basically going to check mark off yes we included this yes we included this and then sign it at the bottom like yes I did all these things I was supposed to do and submit that as part of their application because I think by having to check the box, one, it'll make it clearer for them. These are the things that I have to absolutely include, because like I said, the document that's out there right now is just a little bit more convoluted and harder to, to parse through. This is just like a two page check, check the box type thing. 
and we'll even have we're going to have examples. It's going to be awesome. So I was looking so that, at it. That's yesterday. in the works. You're saying. That's in the uh -huh. works. And so that is going to like I think checking the box and saying yes, I did this is going to make sure that we are getting better applications submitted um, for you know hopefully and then from there you know we have the we have a we have a system it's it's a 10 day review period that's in the code already um and look at them 10 days and then they go back to the applicant i can't i can't control how long the applicant takes some applicants are quicker than others um but that's that's the system as we have it now and we've done as much as we can to speed up the process and kind of reframe it other than getting another intake reviewer from the company. <laughs> <laughs> so noted, thank you. Uh, uh, okay. Very subtle. <laughs> so, you made a statement. So is it here? I think that that's awesome. I think I, I would find that helpful as someone who submits. Is it done correctly is a question that I have. Is that going getting into the review? Like, what do you mean by is it done correctly? I mean, is it is it? So it's like, for instance, it's things like, is the file name correct? Like that's a yes or no, right? Is the north arrow on there? Is there a scale on there? Is it is it, you know, I mean, these are the types of is the topography done to five feet or whatever it is that they have to look at there. There are all these really technical things, but they're pretty much yes or no. There's not really. There's not much gray area as far as this. I've heard the complaint. I know the complaint that that they're talking about um, about, you know, getting into the substance of things. Um, I, I when I've looked into it, like the one in particular, it was when the intake reviewer asked the review team, is this OK? And then the review team gave more substantive comments. So then they thought, well, intake's looking at this this way. But um, honestly, it's that's why I made it a check the box for my own team as well. So it's really clear, like I don't want you going into the weeds. I want it just to be like, yes, this thing is here and move on. Yeah. So, I would as somebody who used to, you know, eat on my younger engineers, I don't ever want to see a plan that doesn't have a north arrow. I would suggest that the presence of a north arrow isn't going to impact the substance and view. I mean, there it sounds to me like there are some things on there that. So it is, though, if that, like, if I'm reviewing the plan and it's come through to DRC and there's not a north arrow on there. I'm going to put the comment on that this needs to have a north arrow and now we're going to have to do it again and like six other people might also make so, that comment. So I guess my that, that counter to that piece. is we're going to kick a plan out and start another 10 day period for the north arrow that by virtue of the other features on the plan you can know <laughs> The orientation of the of the the site that you're looking at. I mean, you know, you're, you're going to see northings and eastings on the on the lot lines. I mean, but that's that's. But it's a requirement too. That's a requirement, and but it's often not. Often don't have like if the north arrow is not there, the northing and eastings might be as well. I, I would, and when we when we end up then needing to do it in the actual plan review in the DRC thing, 
it's restarting times, it's extending the timeline then, and it's eating up the time, and it's going to have to be addressed still. So. It's on a checklist when you go to submit. Yeah. Submit what you need to submit to get your plan reviewed. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I think it's a very trivial thing to kick back a set of plans for. It's not being kicked back. It's just not being accepted yet. Like you need to. But it is being kicked back because it's triggering another be, intake process. No, it's not because it's not accepted. No, it is, is because it's not accepted. getting through to the actual get to but the substantive. At some point, people that are applying for things need to be able to provide the correct information for yes, them. Yes, and, and I review them. plans all the time because I have consultants and they're submitting plans to me and I don't send back a set of plans. I may make a snarky, snarky comment about why isn't there a north arrow on there, but I don't send it back a set of plans because they didn't put the north arrow on there. It's on a checklist. For I guess my question is like, where does it end? <laughs> like for me, I like the north arrow example because it's like, you are the developer. It is your job to give us something we can review. And if you're missing something like that, why should we be reviewing sloppy work? Like you want to develop this thing. You should be providing the information we need to do it. And it's I think my thing is we say, OK, maybe not the North Arrow, maybe not this thing on the checklist, maybe not this thing. And it just feels like where do you draw the line of like they're allowed to make this many mistakes that we review? Here's what I would say. Also, considering the community, maybe they're not engineers and used to looking at drawings like we are on a day to day basis. So, I mean, there should be some basic level of information. I don't want to get too hung up in the North Arrow, but well, at the I, end of the day, I'm also trying to think about the person who doesn't do this. When day do you, to day. You're not going to publish that set of plans. That's a draft work product. I mean, that, that's not. No, once it's accepted, it's it's published. Published. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is. I think the question is at the intake. So the intake is a checklist. You guys are getting into the review. I think if it's if you have a checklist from what I what 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 Christina was saying that she is changing that because I believe your intake maybe was reviewing the plans, looking at it, hey, it's missing to the point that Pam was raising, hey, we should be looking because if we don't take the time at the intake, that's going to be put on the reviewer. So to answer to that is really what the intake should not be reviewing it. You have a checklist. OK, did you submit the, this document? Check, check, check. You should not be going and checking to see if the north arrow is there or not. That, but that what is part saying, of intake. Uh, what I'm saying is if it is, yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. saying is yeah. if what I'm saying is if that's part of your checklist, yes. fine. But if it's not, they should not be, I believe. When you talk to some of the industry, maybe some of that was going on in the past. It's possible. Just saying they were going more into the details to save time, save some time down the road. If that's the case, and those are really great improvement. If that can be done, okay, this is the checklist and stick to this. You will go over, you know, you're, you're staying in your lane. So they yeah. can go past intake so that you can. So really, so, if it's so, not on the checklist, it shouldn't be getting Kick yeah. back. Correct. Correct. And I've made that clear. Yes. Yes. So I know Meredith has had her hand up for a while. Meredith. Thank you. Yes. Um, I just want to say I think this is a very, very important subject. We had a lot of comments from a wide variety of uh, law firms that represent developers and developers about their concern about this. And I have to say that I was just completely startled because the, the the law says it's a you know it's 10 days i had no idea until one of you all explained it that 
you just keep kicking it back and the actual application process could take 80 days, several months. Um, I really think it's a very important subject because what happens is, and I, and I know you guys are acting in good faith, but those days don't count against the 120 days. And so it could be tempting to try to get things in the very best shape you could because you're under a lot of pressure for the DRC and getting the staff report ready, but it's not friendly. You know, you say, well, what's the downside? Well, the downside is not every developer in the world wants to spend that kind of time or can afford to spend that kind of time. It's like, it, it, it's not welcoming, welcoming economic activity through development, in my opinion. I can, I can give you just a personal example. We submitted a, a, a plan for, for, I think it was uh, forest conservation. We got through the process. We got one comment on the plan, which was to revise a note. And we revised the note. We made the same exact submittal and it took three tries to get through the intake process doing the exact same thing that was accepted through the intake process the previous time and so that's frustrating and i i can relate if if, if that's happening to you know a government agency that does these all the time and you know if it's happening to developers also i hear their frustration because I've, I've lived it so um and I'm, I'm still babbling. I don't know why it wasn't. It was one minor, one minor text change, <laughs> and the reviewer themselves was frustrated that they couldn't get the plans to actually review. And th this happened when in the last few months. Well, that's when you reach out to me, Sam. I don't know. I mean, I yeah, I hear the I hear the frustration on that, but that that doesn't seem like something that changing timeline stuff is going to help. I mean, the frustration on that and the things that to Christia's point. I mean. I'm willing to say that it sounds like if that's really important and really a frustration that a recommendation this group might want to make is that Christina needs another intake staff member. I think that is excellent, but I also think that not like, I guess I, I'm hearing that things have changed. I, I'd love for the committee to kind of see this checklist and, and you know, and with, with folks from the private sector to kind of take a look at because they, you know, they, they have professional standards that they have to meet and, and they meet them in other jurisdictions. And I, I'd love to kind of see, come to a consensus on what's necessary to start a review and, and to make sure that those those things are, um, uh, you know, that, that the information necessary to start a review is on the plans and that we're not kicking back things for trivial reasons. And, and, and I, I firmly believe that in, in the example that I cited, it was being kicked back for trivial reasons because even the reviewer themselves was like, all I wanted was you to make a one text change to a note. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I want to make sure that we're focused on it. In, in addition to what's being talked about, the two specific proposals on the table here. So, and, and one of the thing, you know, we're kind of in flux here because because of the feedback you got from developers at the retreat, you've been in the process of making numerous changes, right? And and there are some things like this checklist that are not finished yet. Um, but it so so it's kind of hard to evaluate exactly what to say here because 
you know, internally you have some idea what that checklist looks like, but external or this group as a whole does not. Maybe it would be helpful sometime before September 13th to just circulate the draft of that. I what I'm what I'm hearing is I don't I actually don't want to do that okay. Steve, because the checklist is what my reviewers are telling me they need. It's what's required by the law and what the reviewers need to do their, their job. So I don't want us to sit here and like nitpick a checklist that reviewers are telling me they need to do their job, you know? Gary? I just want to chime in because process is a key part of this title because these two items, yeah, to start voting here, yes and yes, <laughs> but the, um, the checklist is a big help, but again, that's, you know, and that's going to keep evolving as go, but the, we have clients that, oh, you didn't take, you submit, you're done. Well, no, it's a process, and the two months or whatever it is, is we submit plans, go by the checklist, comes back in 10, ten days. Shame on us if we don't have a north end, et cetera. That's just, and I know there's, you know, maybe it's a homeowner or whoever else, you know, that's, that's, it covers a broad range, but the, if we get miscellaneous comments and we have to touch up the plans, that could take three 10 day periods, yes. which takes time. But then in addition to that, once you get that initial review, they confirm the fee. You got to write a check and bring the fee down. You got to bring the signature, the, the wet signature, maybe we do electronic signatures, <laughs> the wet signature down to Parker Planning with the application. That's, that's the next step. And then from there, once the plans are good, the um, you got to do your mailing and post your signs, and that that takes you know some time. And then from there, once every notice, by the way, we so notice, notice yeah. yeah. But it's this intake because people think intake is just submit a plan, you're done. Yeah, it's not. It's a process, and and no, it's all on the website and stuff. But that's a education and <laughs> notice because you know it could take two months, but the plan may be squared away. But you're still doing the check. You're still doing the uh, posting the signs, doing the mailing. Then you get accepted. So it's it's a process, and that's where I think some of the frustration is. But you know, I think those are all key steps to the process, particularly with the notice and you know. And we also have to get paid to do our work. Yeah, so you know what I mean? Like all this stuff is important. <laughs> yeah, let's waive the fees too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I want to go back to the first <laughs> proposal here, which is implement a specific time frame for the acceptance of an application. Have have we addressed that here in terms of what like a specific time frame? It already exists. I'm guessing what this is saying is the fact that it's 10 days, but it could start over and it's 10 days. But I don't know. Hearing all this and just generally, I'm just not sure there's anything. I think it sounds like everything Christina's team is doing is is the solution already i'm not sure what and i think maybe else it's setting expectations because if you assume two reviews that's two ten you know 20 days two times ten except for but, that's not including the applicants PG right too so you're about you're about at 30 days there and that's where i'm going because yeah. by the time you do the post the signs the mailings yep. intake is really 30 days best case mm -hmm. average is at 45 days and there's you know it's all the what ifs in there um, but it, it takes time to do intake my fear of a well, okay, you have to do this in 60 days or you have to do it in 45 is what doesn't happen or what gets um, less than perfect attention or whatever to meet a deadline, right? I mean, I don't know. And then that might just spill over into again, the time will get put on during the development, like the review process, because 
that inefficiency or that, you know, incomplete thing to meet the intake deadline, it just gets pushed to a different time frame. It's not. There's already interim steps because once we get, you know, the okay to do the mailing, forget what it is, but you have five days to do the mailing. Yeah. So that's, you, yeah, there's you steps. Time frames there's steps in there already, work. but it's maybe setting expectations with how that works. Because I know a lot of people, clients, well, I've just sent them plan. No, it's a process and it's going to take two months or whatever. But does the checklist outline, for example, all the things that you also have to do, like public notice and the time frame? Yeah, that's all on the website right now. But again, when people... Is it in the checklist that you're talking Because part of what I'm thinking about is if I'm a new developer, never done anything in Montgomery County, or I'm just new to like developing a much smaller site, am I going to even know beyond meeting kind of all the checklists what intake actually requires right you're talking about the process right and that it's it's not just oh my i mean it, it, it's essentially it would be i think most of it would be in, encompassed on the on the checklist um but you know as gary says steps take time you know so yeah yeah, yeah. no i'm in I'll, I'll go even further because we can't even submit a plan until we have our outreach meeting, which, yeah, you, you see how it, on both ends it, it it expands. And then when you get accepted is when the 120 days starts. That's the you know, next step or another process. So I will add another thing, too, is like our most recent e-plans upgrade, which is is it's been around now for months, but allows or at least actually maybe over a year now because I remember this coming up at the DRC retreat. But it allows multiple people to be in there from the applicants team. So I think a lot of times what I hear, you know, I'll get I'll get applicants contact me and being very upset. You know, this is taking so long and I'm losing money. And then I'll look, and of course this is not Gary and his team at all, but or Gary had the contact uh, that we did. Yeah, where they've had it for 30 days, you know, and it, and so because there wasn't, you know, I, a lot of times the applicant themselves, they don't have the visibility because they give the access to the engineer and it's the engineer work in the process. They think that they don't fully understand where the where it's being held up. Yeah. I'm not saying we never hold it up because that's not the case either, but well, I'm just saying process too, that back and forth. Or back and forth. And, and you can see it in there now. And so I, whenever I get those, I, I take it, I send them the workflow process because you can see the back and forth there. But hopefully you know the applicants are getting wise that they can also have access to that too and have more of insight into what is truly going on back and forth yeah. and there have been times where the engineer will be like hey i can see this hasn't moved and i'll look and they'll be like yes it hasn't moved like recently because we had over 120 plans that i have three people looking at you know i mean that's a lot for just three people but then you know we're overloaded, but mostly you could you could see the process going back and forth. The 10 days that we mentioned before it, it is the amount of time from applicant submission to hearing something back. Is that hearing yes. something initially back? And and you're saying like right now you have three intake people and a hundred plus applications yes. they're yep. looking. Um, so I I I just want to make sure we've addressed the second proposal. Limit review of applications and intake to submission of material, not substance of material. Um, the, the checklist addresses that, correct? I, 
I believe so. I mean, it's like and there's been but ongoing I'm conversations <laughs> since the DRC uh, works at, or what we call it. Uh, uh, say that again, Gary. There's been ongoing improvements because there's been dialogue back and forth, and then the the uh, retreat that for DRC and probably not bad idea. You know, another one of those, whether it's this year or next year. But yeah, again, to keep keep that moving forward because it's just that whole group talking back and forth between the park and planning and then the private sector is is always helpful to you know improve it. So, Maris, do you have a uh, comment? Yes, I do. Thank you. Um, uh, well, I'm still taken aback by this conversation. I mean, at a minimum, if it does take 10 days and you keep sending it back, we need to change the statute to reflect a reasonable time period that actually reflects how long it takes from the time you first say you're interested in building something to the application actually being accepted. Um, so I don't know how long that should be, but it definitely should not be 10 days. That is completely misleading. Um, and, and also, as you, Christino, just acknowledged, I mean, developers are surprised by it too. And it, it creates a, I mean, it's a great situation for people who know the system and they're familiar with it, but attracting new developers, um, something's got to give here. We need to, change this process i mean and then we can't see the checklist i don't understand that i mean if you don't have any public document that explains what everybody's supposed to do um then it's kind of like a uh, administrative procedure that's sort of hidden you know and nobody can quite understand it and you get things returned because you didn't put your north arrow on. Um, so as, as I understand it, Meredith, there is something that developers are looking at now, and they're uh, simultaneously planning is involved with um, creating this new two-page checklist to kind of streamline things, simplify things, and it just hasn't been rolled out yet. Is that is that correct? Right. We, right. So it, it's well, not then I'm sorry, but we should see a, the checklist, either the one you're using now or whatever you can show us of how you're going to change the one you're using now, because otherwise we're just flying blind. I mean, we can't really address the many concerns we heard but, about how long this takes if we can't see how you actually do the process. It, it's not my impression that the work group will get into the weeds of the exact recommendation, like we think the checklist should include X, Y, or Z. I think the goal of the work group is more to say, we believe there needs to be a checklist that needs to not be a subjective review. It is a, a slightly higher level, like where do we think this is headed? And then it's up to the council, the executive, the state delegate, the agency, whatever, to, to sort of look at those recommendations as the group moves forward. I mean, I, I don't see us in anybody's wheelhouse going into the details of you know, no, do. we don't have to redo the checklist, but we just need to understand why it doesn't really take 10 days. Well, but there's a I, whole reference guide online right now that you, can, that you can look at, Meredith, if you if you want to delve into it. Everything on how to submit an application is all in one spot, including our checklist for each of Everything our plans. It's it's there. And that, that was done in collaboration with the uh, 
our sister agencies here to make sure that every agency had the review, had the information necessary to complete a review for that specific application. Hey, Christina, do you have an approximate time frame for when the new checklist might start getting used? Yeah, I've said the fall, but I mean, it's probably just a matter of a couple of weeks away at this point. Okay. I looked at a pretty good version of it yesterday. So, so I think at a high level to, to the point that Pam made, you know, it, it's, it's this um, notion of the need to have to, to ensure we have a checklist that's kind of streamlined, simplified, clarified, so the applicant is crystal clear up front uh, what, what they need to submit in order to get a more timely acceptance of an application, right? But the devil's in the details and, you know, you'll need to roll it out. And then I'm assuming like probably anything else, you'll see what works, what doesn't, what else might be needed, what's not, you know, and it's a, it's kind of a ongoing process improvement, right? Right. I mean, that's how I look at my job in general is just always trying to look at how we can improve process. Right. But it seems extremely unlikely that you're going to be able to get it down to 10 days and that it will actually only take as long as the statute says it's going to. So that's ten days per review, Meredith. And no, it won't get down to ten days because that would assume that the applicant is submitting an absolutely perfect application, and I don't know that I've seen that ever. So yeah, and that's one step in the process, but not the, the whole process. Right. Which is but the point is, you're supposed to accept it before it's completely perfect. No, I'm not. Oh, it no. needs to be complete for me to accept it, which means that it needs that all of these items that they need to submit need to be there. Well, then we just wouldn't do intake. We would just accept it. Right. I mean, they just submit what you're going to submit and we'll, I mean. And then so you per, spend two per, months per, trying to figure out if you have what you need to review it. But I think to, to Gary's point, perhaps there just needs to be clarification, especially for newer developers, on that state law may say 10 days, which really is just whatever your initial application is, it will be reviewed and you will get feed, feedback and a kind of a, a yay or a, a, an initial nay. And you may have, so, so if the misunderstanding is, oh, I'm going to submit and 10 days later, I'm, I'm on to the next step. Maybe that's where the misunderstanding is. I don't, I don't know. You can correct me, but doesn't the statute say 10 days to accept a completed application? Like how does it probably how does it technically read? I don't think it says a reviewer will get to your application in on day eleven. Like it in the statute, I think the language says what that ten days means. And a completed well, application is is abiding by every single thing on a checklist. Just but just for example, Lurch and Early wrote on this too. Intake process at park and planning. The intake process has been taking entirely too long. Recently, some applications have taken more than four months to move through intake. Although it does seem to be improving with new staff and a focus on improving the process, it still appears that intake staff are being asked to review application materials far too substantively. They seem to del delve into the content of submitted documents as opposed to simply checking to see whether those documents have been submitted. And then they give examples. So, you know, they're a serious, that's a serious group of people and they wouldn't, you know, I, I find them credible. I, I, and so not understanding, you know, the exact things of what you do, I still think we need to be, take this seriously and see what can be done to shorten this process and not just 
hope that your new checklist is going to do it. I don't think that's the job of this work group. I think this work group is supposed to make substantive recommendations based on what we've got now, which is your old checklist, not just hope that things are going to get better. Sharice? This, this might be an aside um, because that is a good example, but then I, I know that we've heard in this meeting over and over again that there are like specific things that happen in specific cases that can lead to things taking long. And without going through each one, it's very difficult to kind of generalize that that's what the overarching issue is like their example of it taking four months could be for some very specific reasons versus some other folks where it may not have taken them as long so we had some case scenarios that were presented you know earlier on that we looked at and like that's what i'm saying maybe it's an aside if there are people that have you know specific complaints that maybe a subgroup or I don't know something for you know in the future like work with those people who have presented these worst case scenarios that are having issues getting through because maybe they need some training or maybe their people need some you know better understanding of the process I'm just going to use Gary because he's at the table whereas if you put the same development project in their hands versus Gary I'm just using this as an example being clear on my disclosure here that you know who's to say that Gary's group wouldn't get the same plan through very easily because they have a better understanding of what they need to do versus this group that's saying it took us four months and it might just be one situation but because they have an opportunity to speak on it like they're speaking on it I'm just yeah, and that I mean I think that's what you're bringing up is a challenge in general with public testimony right it's like lots of people are making single comments based on their own experience we're trying to look kind of across them to figure out what's the common issue that really needs to be addressed uh, but as, as, i think i'm sorry go ahead Diane. i mean i just i keep raising my hand i keep putting it down i, keep, I don't know how sorry, to, I, to just with, jump with, in with so you and meredith and whoever else is online you i i have a hard yeah. time checking so just okay. let me know when you want to speak kimberly but, sometimes gives me the pointing to the screen, but that's the only time well, I'm really it's looking. It's been pretty consistent. Um, so that's why I apologize for jumping in and interrupting, but it's the only way to get heard at times. Yep. So um, I agree with what was just said, the example, and I think that there was an important point made about the training. And I will say some of some of the people on this group are also users you've heard tim speaking as a user and i will relay an example as well for college where we had and public entities have to go with the they have to do an rfp process so they're going with at times the most competitive bid for something and sometimes that's somebody who is out of state and there's not a good process uh, it, there's just not a good process to familiarize um, people who are out of state, and there are a lot of out of state designers um, to help them through the process. It should not take eight months for a mandatory referral submission to actually be accepted. And I think that the planning staff has to be proactive too and realize that, hey, there's a problem here. Let's work with our stakeholders. Let's let's do what we need to, you know, let's 
what what can we do? What what is the training that we can do to help people become familiar? And then once something actually gets submitted for a permit to have five months for something that's already passed mandatory referral just to get the sign off on the building permit from park and planning, this is not tenable. And and I I think that we have to be collaborative on how we try to solve the problems. There is a problem. There absolutely is a problem. And I do think, and, I, and I'm sympathetic, Christina, I am super sympathetic, and I actually think you do have variations of checklists online without a doubt, but I think that, that as complicated as it is for all of us talking about it, training, which was just mentioned, I think uh, Mr. Cherise mentioned it, is something that would be really helpful. I'm glad to do training, but I mean, Diane, I, I'm very familiar with many of the cases you're talking about because you're right. You have to go with people that aren't familiar with Montgomery County or with any of this type of engineering. Mm -hmm. And then they come in and they, we do hold their hands. We go above and beyond. We call them. We tell them we really need you to do this and they're still not doing it. So, I mean, we okay. are trying to help as much as possible. Diane. That didn't happen though. No, that didn't happen. I was there when it was happening over and over again. So no. I have the receipts. Um, so. but I will just say like, I agree in general, training is always a, a good thing. I think the checklist that I'm talking about for external folks will really help too because it takes a really long document with a lot of detail and it puts it on two pages and gives them actual examples they can click on and look like oh this is what the scale is supposed to look like this is what the north arrow is supposed to look like i mean we are trying as best as we can to kind of spoon feed these things because i understand that not everybody is familiar with the engineering process required to come through come through and get the plans, you know, and and look around us. I mean, we live in an area that has very complicated development. That's why our property values are so high. That's why people want to be here. And because of that, you need this level of detail. Um, so and so we're just trying to make it as possible, as, as approachable as possible. And and yes, education totally will will do that. We continue to offer things and I've that was next on my list after we get this um, checklist out there, Diane. And so I think that's a good idea. And Sharice, what, we can what was do, next on your list? And we can do it, an education, you know, we can do a, a, a session with any developers that want to attend or any applicants, any engineers. Create a video online, maybe. Or and we yeah, can, that's yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like if so, you're so, constantly. Yeah, so, wait, hold, on DP, hold, on, hold on one second, Diane. If, if you're constantly in the business of having, having trained people in ones and twos and threes, that's incredibly labor intensive. But if there was some kind of training module online, video based, what have you, that anyone could access it at any time. And as long as it kind of sure. educates them on the, the various things, that goes a much further way than, you know, the labor intensive route. But go ahead, Diane. So. It's not, I am sympathetic and it's not that I'm unfamiliar because I am familiar, I, you know, as director of DPS for almost eight years and we moved, we moved in very rapidly into electronic plans. We have a lot, a lot, a lot of processes. We would have regularly scheduled e-plans training every Monday for as long as it took. And it may still be going on for people to, to try to make sure that everybody could and would be familiar. We had training modules like you said we had videos that people could 
watch and follow in order to learn how to do what they needed to do. We created the checklist. I mean, and this has been in place for years, the checklist and designers have to sign off on it so that they as to its completeness. So I think you're, I, Christine, I think you're going in a great direction. Um, and please, you know, I know it's hard to sit in your chair and, and hear these conversations and there's plenty of blame to go around. No doubt about it, including the example that I gave, but there was still what I, I, I think I can own for the situation that I'm going to. I think that my desi our designer could own some of it, but a huge amount was also on parking planning. And frankly, the the failure to sign off on the plans that were then submitted for five months was really not excusable. And that ends up just for everybody to understand around the table that ends up in change orders to a public entity, not in not in 10,000, 5,000, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars because of the delay that results from that. So Meredith, I see that you have your hand up. Yes, I just want to say briefly that I, I believe this is a factor in our being considered non, uh, not competitive with other jurisdictions. Because, I mean, this is just so off Putting for something like this to take so long and to be so um, uh, not just, you know, it's more like details like how you would print a, a brief for the Supreme Court or something, which has they have very, very strict rules, as opposed to getting the substance of what you need and moving forward because you're pursuing a goal of. Um, you know, encouraging economic development, and you have the experience to know when a, a, a an application is good enough to get the job done. So, so I mean, clearly this is a um, a big thing. What I'm hearing so far in terms of things on the table. So, rolling out the checklist this fall is going to be really important, right? And, and it, you know, no checklist is perfect, uh, but it sounds like it's a important upgrade from what has existed back in 2022 and earlier. Um, second thing I'm hearing is around the importance of clarity, especially for new applicants around, you know, what the 10 days in the statute actually means and what kind of what's a more realistic time frame to be thinking about with regard to intake so that that it's it level sets expectations. Um, and then uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not entirely clear on the substantive review, but if I'm understanding as long as they, as long as an applicant hits all the check boxes, there is not a need for, or there will not be subs substantive review, although I'm a little unclear on what that actually means, uh, which addresses the proposal. And then the final thing I'm hearing here is that, and again, devil's in the details, but especially for newer applicants, out-of-town developers, some kind of additional training materials, however we end up defining them, could be really helpful in beyond what's already on the website, could be really helpful, especially for those really new to the process to understand what they've got to do. Now, I'm guessing that still doesn't address some of the concerns, Diane and Meredith, that you're raising, but I'm not sure how much further to go on intake and is there the ability? I haven't even given you guys a break yet. Uh, is there? Is there? Is is now the time? 
people are nodding yes around the table, is now the time, A, to take a break, and B, to move on to the next topic area. I just have two. It's Tim, then okay. Diane. One, you know, just go online and, and you look at the list. I mean, it's got a lot of things. There's, there's a lot on there, but I, I think I understood. Maybe I misunderstood. I don't know. Is that the plan reviewer or the intake reviewers checklist might not be verbatim to what's posted online. And as somebody submitting something, it would be really helpful to have whatever the plan reviewer or the intake reviewer is going to use be what is posted online so that you know, that's number one. Number two, the there's things in there that like file naming and stuff like that uh, of digital of files. And I'm just curious with ePlans being as powerful as it is, are there some things that we can automate or error proof in the process so that things like nobody has to think about file naming convention because it's done automatically i would love that because file names are this crazy enough one of the things we constantly have to kick back for and i'm sure dps runs in the same thing because you need the same thing to be done correctly um uh, we're looking into it with e-plans every change we make with e-plans is not the easiest um and it usually requires us to throw money at it so uh i have a i have a meeting set up to look into automating something like that because it would it would make it a lot easier if they can't put in the wrong filing <laughs> yeah I mean, there may be so so maybe that would be a suggestion i would make just you know a recommendation from this work group is automate things to the greatest extent possible on, on e-plans just to error i think it. that's a good a good recommendation diane and then we're going to take a quick okay. at least a quick break to grab lunches here and there may be other people like me that need to use the men's or ladies room <laughs> who've been sitting around the table for two hours. So, um, Diane, final word before okay. we go to lunch. So I, I, I loved Tim's suggestion. And I mean, even if it means throwing some money at it, even if it means that you need to put on additional staff, I mean, that's how part of managing towards solutions, which I, I think that we should look towards and consider. Um, that's number one. But But number two, also a, a customer service type of an approach, which is where, um, you know, bringing in, a, you know, if, if something hits a certain point that there has to be a level of, okay, we need to sit down and see there's a problem here. Let's bring everybody in. Let's walk through what needs to happen so that can, we can fix it. Um, and, and I think that, and that's, this is really more of a suggestion. I think that on the, um, I think I saw it somewhere too, but um that having something where if you see something as a problem and it's you're just dead in the water, then, okay, we have to get the owner, the developer, let's get people together and let's solve what's going on here because um, it, well, it, it would be critically important, I think. And that, that was the only point that I want to make. Well, actually it's not. I do want to throw out too that we are not talking the, the other issue is that where are we imposing requirements that really are unnecessary? So if you're doing a renovation of a library and you're disturbing 300 square feet of property, do you really need to have to, when, when the state law would clearly have an exemption under forest conservation, do you really need to then at the nth hour have to apply for an exemption because our law, the county law is written a little bit differently? And I think we should look at that. 
Not now, but put it on the parking lot yeah, list. We about forest conservation. We're not going to go down that road, Diane. Okay. Okay. No, no, parking lot list. You got 30 seconds. They're just saying, all I was going to say, I mean, the, the, the checklist is pretty extensive. I mean, it's like a lot of uh, items. I don't know, and you, you may have already done, to look at it or based on the feedback that you got, to look and, you know, is that checklist all the items that you are required? Can you streamline some of it or eliminate some of them? Because it's. We did. So we did. And, that's, and so we've had a couple of meetings internally. Hey, reviewers, what can we remove? We removed a few right. things. But it's still, it's still, you know. Yeah. yeah. Still a lengthy list. And most of them are in the code. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a eight minute break. <laughs> Is that reasonable? Enough time to stretch your legs. Grab a box of lunch. See what else you need to do.
Um, so I'm going to propose that we move on to the next category. Resolutions and conditions. There's two uh, pr proposals here that are that are linked kind of option one, option two, as I understand it. Um, so take a quick look, allow applicants an opportunity to review planning board resolutions prior to adoption. This will reduce the need and time involved for issuing corrected resolutions. Alternatively, allow the public and or applicant to review the adopted resolution prior to its signing, stamped as quote unquote approved but not signed or unofficial copy. These changes could easily save weeks in the process of ensuring that the signed resolution is complete and accurate. I have comments, lots of comments. Yeah. You go in front of a judge. Does the judge allow you to review the order or the opinion before they issue it? No, like this is a very legal process. The resolution is the board's, you know, order. It's from and it's appealable and all of that. This is not something our legal department would be willing to do, and I, I fully support them. This is not something that we should be issuing out there for people's comments and review. It is the it's the board's decision and it's it's enumerated in all the findings and in all the conditions. And as far as conditions like those are already in the staff report ahead of time. The applicant gets an opportunity to review them because I know that the staff works with them before they even put them in the staff report to make sure that they're aware of the conditions they're putting on the application. So, you know, are there corrected resolutions from time to time due to errors? Sure, but it's a it's a quick process and actually it doesn't even hold anything up because they're able to they have a resolution in hand, so they're able to continue to move even though they might need to get a corrected resolution. So I just this is this is a very legal part of the process and I don't think it should be touched. You're addressing both bullets, correct? Yes, both bullets, because it's the same kind of idea. Want to weigh in? I have a question. But I, don't, I don't remember this part from when I was at planning. So if you are reviewing um, an application for approval for the board, and the staff report has the conditions for approval, and the board debates them, talks about them, maybe they tweak some of the language or conditions, and then you know, they take the vote, they approve the application based on what their conversation was. Then the staff goes back and drafts, or the legal team goes back and drafts the resolution that represents like everything they've heard. Because I look at, yes. I mean, we, I look at the resolutions all the time. If we're a council staff wanting to review something, I pull up the resolution yeah. regularly. Like on app, like, so my guess is what this is about is does, and it sounds like on occasion that resolution gets written and then there's something just inaccurate based on the conversation at the board. Either a number was wrong or a time frame or, you know, the tweaking yeah. of language of a condition. How often does that happen? I'm just trying to get a wise amount in that like, this is problematic time-wise. Yeah, not often. Atypical. Atypical. The last couple ones I can remember weren't an error in the discussion at the board. It was like an error in one of the Like tables. a data table a lot of it's times. That's where you'll get it. Report and yeah. We're in the other stuff anyway. That Everybody already could review and everybody's had already managed. Right. right. So, so what happens though when that does happen? So say there's an error, the resolution gets signed, it gets mailed out, the applicant then gets it mm -hmm. and it's noted realized that something was wrong. Yeah. Then they post to the board as a corrected resolution and it's it's mailed out again and stamped 
corrected resolution on, on top. And that process takes. I'm just I'm just trying to get a gauge for like why we have the comments. A couple of, I mean, maybe a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, while you're waiting for the corrected resolution, the uncorrected resolution still, still valid. Valid resolution. Yeah. So yeah. everything can you keep proceeding, moving. right? I think. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Unless the thing that's wrong is in a data table that doesn't allow them to get something accurate at permitting. I mean, I'm just making a guess why that would be a problem. I haven't really run into that where it's going to hold them up. But the only thing it's going to do is open the appeal period again on that whatever that minor correction is, but everything else is okay. still. Just don't know enough yeah. about it. Thank you. Yeah. Because the appeal date runs from the corrected. No, so the appeal date will run from the original resolution except for. The piece that was corrected in the corrected resolution, when that comes through, that piece can be appealed. That's yes, very specific in the corrected. It is very specific yeah. in the corrected resolution. Let me ask, I don't know who, the context of who wrote this up, but the, um, it, it, it came up before. So the applicant doesn't get the staff report until it's posted online. <laughs> the community doesn't get the staff report in conditions to post online. And those conversations with the plan review and you know you're going to have this condition or but you don't see the final language until but you have 10 days or that two weeks before binding board to propose changes and then you discuss the changes with the board some of them like typos or there's a number wrong or something like that you talk to staff and they agree with the update before planning board but the and that happens that happens fairly yeah. enough because you'll see it goes to the board then with redlined you know language on the powerful and frankly i would make staff reports available or filed before then so um yeah it's not this in my opinion would be adding time mm -hmm. to the process but the board actually gets unless the board goes online the board actually gets the staff report after the public so we get posted on Monday. It gets into their packet by that Wednesday or Thursday. So they have the week to review. Whereas the public had an additional three or four days. What, what's the relationship between the staff report and the. The resolution. The resolution is the it, it records the mm -hmm. official action of the planning board on that particular case. Staff reports 50 pages, resolutions a few. You wish it was well, but yeah. <laughs> it's um, but the staff report has all the findings in there and it has all the conditions, and all those findings and conditions are also going to be in the resolution. Right. They're probably not going to change out too much. <laughs> it pulls out like what the board is actually making a decision on from that staff report. Yeah. So in the staff report, there's a lot of analysis about what staff may be recommending and why. The resolution is a reflection of the decision based on that finding that needed to be made. So some of that analysis is pulled out and therefore it's much shorter. You're saying, Gary, if I understand correctly. So you said, I thought, did you say 10 to 14 days to, uh, to kind of review? Yeah, so before planning board? Planning board on Thursday. The 10 days before, we did it either Friday, but I think technically the Monday, 10 days prior, the Monday is when it's due to be posted. But it's typically posted on Friday. Yeah, so it could be posted earlier and then you have. And when it gets posted, you have an opportunity to review or even to propose changes or. Yeah, so that, that's what's going to the board. 
OK, if we don't agree with the condition. We can we can talk to staff about it or I'll give you two examples. So one, if it's a typo and it's you're supposed to build a playground by 100 units and for some crazy reason it says by 1000 units or probably the other way around actually, but that you know, you talk staff, there's a typo here, you know, it, 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 that staff will bring that as a red line to the board saying there's an update, they're in agreement, the applicants in agreement. But then the other situation is if there's well, it's a variety, but there's a condition the applicant doesn't agree with. They can discuss that with the board, propose their own red line, say we want to take this out or we want to modify it, and the board can say yes or no or leave yeah, it at the hearing at on the that year. next yeah. Thursday. Uh -huh. yeah. okay. And we have that 10 days to ramp up until the actual hearing. So if I'm again just looking to accelerate and, and then I can go to you, Amanda. It sounds like we're saying um, any additional changes being considered here would potentially add time. We're proposing to, to kind of maintain the process as in as is and and to your point, Gary, um, for the two types of examples you gave, there's the opportunity to either talk to staff or show up to the planning board and attempt to make corrections. Correct. All right. Amanda. <coughs> Is there a policy um, because I think the community relies so heavily on those staff reports, but it's hard to read you know, the technical plans. So those staff reports are very helpful to sort of put some things more in plain language and to pick out the most important visuals to go along with it. Um, so once the staff report is posted and folks have had a chance to look at it and read through it, is there a policy for comments that you receive leading up to the planning board hearing? Are those, because I've seen it done different ways, but I feel like maybe it's been over time, there's been a shift. Are those posted as correspondence yes. on the agenda now as sort of like standard practice? They're supposed to be attached to the staff report. Yes. yes. Okay. And then testimony received. I mean, well, that, the, that goes in. Goes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, because I don't, I think that maybe didn't always used to happen, but I feel like it's been half, I see it more and more that there's an attached. It's supposed to. Okay. okay. So that's something that goes with the staff report to the board. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to propose we move on. Woohoo! <laughs> All right. Do you want bathroom break? Does <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we need to schedule like three bathroom breaks. Um, all right, so we're going to move next to certified site plan. Two recommendations here. MNCPPC should set a time within which it must certify a site plan. Suggest 45 days. Allow for filing of certified site plan before applicable resolution is mailed. Um, I have a comment, Meredith. Um, yeah, I didn't want to say a word about the resolution because we were doing so well, but this raises the resolution in this context, just timing. And um, as I've said in smaller meetings, I think it's a good idea to do a timeline of these different, uh, of when different things are due and the resolution right now has to be approved before you can have the certified site plan. Rather than this idea 
uh, allowing for filing of the site plan before the resolution is mailed, um, I would suggest that we get a firm deadline for the, the resolution, for the approval of the resolution and the mailing, because I think I've said in other meetings, that is what the council has already done for their expedited procedures for uh, biotech and now for the new uh, multifamily housing. And it, it just makes sense to me to, to do the same thing for the normal process. So it sounds like she's taking us back to the one way we thought we were going So you're not talking about certified site plan right now, Meredith? Yes, I am. I'm just saying, oh, I agree that there should be a, there definitely should be a, a, a deadline, but I also think at the same time, there should be a deadline for the resolution too. And the resolution that has to come before the certified site plan. You have to have an approved resolution in order to get a certified site plan. Rather than change that, I would just have a reasonable deadline for the resolution, which in my mind, I would just track what the council's done in these expedited processes, which is seven days after the board decision. And then for certified site plan, I, you know, I don't know exactly what a reasonable amount of time is, but 45 days certainly sounds reasonable to me. Right, so I, I want to go back. I'm sorry, there, there is a time for resolutions already. It's 30 days. It's in the code. After board decision? You're saying? Yep. Planning board must issue a resolution reflecting its decision within the 30-day time period unless extended for up to an additional 30 days. And most of the, the majority of our resolutions go with our plans. Occasionally there's one there's a complicated case, if there's a lot of changes, if there's community opposition, we try not to um, issue those resolutions with them because the board may make changes based on that testimony or based on something that we've received from community. If we're asking for a revision to a plan, trying to respond to that, and we know there's going to be some issue that's not decided, then we don't have that resolution ready that day because we're allowing for the board to go through a process with the community. And then that resolution will come within 30 days after that to, to get approved. So you're saying most happen well within 30 days? Right. And Meredith, you're, you're proposing a specific number of days earlier than yeah. 30. Yes. Seven days. I know that the board has also tried to issue the resolution with their their decision have the resolution attached with the staff report so they can approve both the staff report and the resolution at the same time but um i'm not going to propose that as something to be codified but that's also a very good development it seems that if we have two processes where we've called them you know special reviews for expedited review related to um biotech and the signature business headquarters i mean it seems like they become less expedited if everything gets the same treatment for resolution but there's a difference between seven days and 30 days so you either can stick to 30 for everything is there any possibility you would for streamlining purposes change it to 21 days or change it to something else I, i'm just asking i you can say it just tends to work fine at 30. This isn't a problem we've been hearing about. 
I don't know. This isn't really a problem we've heard. <clears throat> was it in the testimony? No, I didn't see it was that. Only, only about these like these like incorrect things. There was no other bullets about trying to put a time frame on resolution. Right. Well, the fact the fact that they're asking to get the certified site plan before the resolution has been dealt with suggests they've got whoever made that comment had concerns about the timeliness of the resolution, and so doesn't want to be tied to that having to wait. Well, I mean, yes and no, Meredith. For me, it's like if you can submit your certified site plan before your resolution is out, that's just saving more time. Even if the resolution is just just a week. Or two, you still save those that week or two. I, I just think that um, that doesn't necessarily mean they have an issue with the time the resolutions are taking. They're just if you're going to streamline a process, you're looking for concurrent processes. Yes. So that could be the alternative, and rather than changing from 30 days to the right. resolution deadline, right. to to look more, you know, to look at the yeah. concurrency here and say concurrency is a good thing. We've been trying to achieve it in other pieces of the process. Can we do that here as well? Are we now talking about certified site plan? Yeah, yeah. Okay. we're back to can we do concurrent, can we do filing of a certified site plan before the resolution? And it sounds like that's acceptable. It's not going to cause problems and it will allow efficient concurrency. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know what the relationship is between the resolution and whether that has anything that would affect the site plan. They have to have the um, resolution on the certified site. The plan. resolution is included as part of the certified site plan. So that's why right now it's required to. We, we can start reviewing them ahead of the actual issuance or approval of the resolution, but we can't approve the certified plan until that resolution is mailed and approved. So what okay. would they be? Here, here's the other. Sorry, there's one nuance to that 30 days. Also, there's a 30 day appeal period from the community. That allows due process for them if they still object to uh, the plan that they they have their process after the fact. So I see Robert Cronenberg has raised his hand just since. Yeah, I was, I was almost done, uh, and so rather than rather than uh, cut the community process off ahead of time, um, it would still allow that 30-day appeal period before um, certifying those plans. So I, I think we, if we're still in, you know obviously interested in, in the community and their process. Um, those time frames are linked up uh, intentionally with with law. You know, the appeal process is appealing the resolution that's been made. Is that right? right? Okay. So sorry, Robert, go ahead. Yeah, Robert. Uh, uh, so Steve, can you hear me? I can. Yeah. OK, good. I, I was going to just say the same thing Patrick was going to say in that uh, we typically don't get the certified site plans uh, before a resolution has been issued. But if we do, the first thing we're going to ask for is that it be put on the plan uh, and just keep in mind that the resolution, all the conditions are used as our kind of our checklist, both for the consultant and for us uh, to make sure that what's being conditioned on the plan uh, is is showing up on the certified site plan. Um, and I think the the appeal period is is kind of critical because. Most consultants don't submit it within you know three four weeks after the application's been approved by the board uh, some do it ahead of time and we can start the review uh, and I, I don't think that's an issue uh, but um, most do wait until that appeal period is done you're saying if if planning received a site plan submission 
during that 30 days, you could start reviewing it, even though. Yeah. Sure. We just don't want to. We can't wait to approve it because the resolution right. still has a 30-day appeal period. So okay. we need to wait right. for that to announce. The community still had their full process. Then we can approve it. I ask two just simple questions. I mean, when when I, for example, propose something, I send it over to County Council. I also am responsible for developing a draft resolution, and it's part of the packet, right? Um, I don't know if that's something that could kind of get to addressing both of these comments in one fell swoop. If like a draft resolution was there, now sometimes it changes because they deliberate in real time and they make tweaks. Council does, planning board does also, um, and, and you might be able to. But at least maybe at least gets to the first cup question that people were saying: Can we post the draft resolution somewhere? And also, the work is done; it's ready, and if nothing changes. Then all you're doing is waiting for the 30 day clock and printing it outside. I don't know if that's an, an, an option. That, that's what we do. That, that's that's the what you already have our cases. So that's that's what we're doing. That's, right yeah, the draft resolution is what goes to the board when the board adopts resolution. So that's whether that's happening either at the same time of the plan or it's the week speech. after, which is more <laughs> likely, that's that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, and I would think as a community member, you'd have mixed feelings about that, right? Because if you're seeing a draft, people sometimes feel like something is already a foregone conclusion that's already agreed to this. It's going to be hard for me as a community member to get them to change this. Yeah. So I like the idea that it either yes. it might come with it if it's non-controversial or it might come a week later, especially when the communities come to the table and said, you know, yeah. we really want you to listen to X, Y, and Z. I think that's a, that's precisely exactly. why that, that's exactly. So, so I have a second question though. I'm just curious. I guess sometimes you, know, you got to ask why is it a legal requirement to have the resolution on the plans or is it just for like the convenience of the person reviewing the, the plan to certify it? Like why why does the resolution well, have to be on the plan? I'll tell you something, whether it's a legal requirement or not, from an enforcement standpoint, DPS, down the road, it, okay. you really want it on the plan because it's that's where everything is, it makes it really visible for the inspector, what all the requirements were and everything. There's, um, often, there's often a chunk of things at the end of the conditions in the resolution that need to be added to the certified site plan, like that maybe aren't showing yet. And I, like the certified site plans that I need to weigh in on for park stuff, there's often something in there. And so you have to, you're gonna need to make sure that the resolution's done so that you're saying this thing that the resolution said is on the certified site plan is on the certified site plan. So you have your certified site plan, right? You, you all have a site prior, but like, but at the same time, the resolution is really the Bible for us as far as the trigger points prior to issuance of building permit. How many you can issue before you have to have so much amenities or everything on issuance of you? I know it's all depicted on that resolution. It's not on the site plan. So for us, that's something we need. That's why we always ask. We want to have that certified site plan signed, approved and the resolution so okay. if it's all in one place it's a lot simpler for us okay. so, so so let me ask so the second proposal is allow for filing of the certified site plan before applicable resolution is mailed as i understand it that is allowed now is that correct? that's I correct i don't know if it's like officially allowed or not but i mean that's certainly something we can do yeah okay yeah. So you have it ready yeah. Can, can I ask a question? I mean, the side plan is it? I mean, because it's always taken 
after the planning board has approved the, 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 the resolution, it goes months after that. Mm -hmm. So the site plan becomes certified. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, I mean, chances of it's, okay. it's very, and you know, it, it's it's not that many numbers that they really have the site plan ready for you guys when the resolution is approved, approve the site plan and go. That comes really down the road. So I have a couple of questions. I'm sorry, I, I had my hand up again, but I took it down again. Um, so a couple of questions. So uh, if the resolution is prepared along with the staff report and the um, plan and the recommendation, does that get posted on the planning board's website as well with the agenda item? Because the agenda item links to what's in front of them because I'm not seeing it. No, I don't think the resolutions are on there. Is that what you're asking? The draft resolutions, right? Yeah, the so draft resolutions don't go. They're they're not on. They're in front of the board, but because it's a draft document, it's not posted on there now. Okay, but for so for example, with legislation, draft legislation, when it's introduced, it's proposed, and then the final, of course, it changes a lot from there. So that was that was following up on Tim's question. And then I, I think I would really love to know from um, the law firms that commented on this, because I likewise have heard a lot of complaints about the time that it takes to get to certified site plan. And I know that um, for my my planning colleagues that the devil is absolutely in the details, which is where you're getting a whole bunch of the details. But I'd like to know where their pain points are that what are the actual pain points that they're seeing? Because I'm listening to this and I'm hearing something that sounds like it's, you know, that it's performing sort of like a machine. It's doing the things it's supposed to be doing. And yet all of the, the land use bar, many of the attorneys have complained about this. And so, you know, putting Gary on the spot. Um, and I don't know if Kate is there or not, but, but what is this complaint about? Some of it, I think, is just the time it takes to. I'll give you two examples. So, if I've got two conditions approved on a plan, and I can submit like next week, I'm going to submit without the resolution, and then staff will review it. And then once we get the resolution, it's pretty straightforward. But if I have a larger plan and I've got 20 or 30 conditions, <laughs> then in Henry's point, if I have a Parks comment, we have to go meet with parks and reconcile that review. And if I've got a traffic or a DOT road comment that still has to get resolved, because some of the conditions can be pretty um, uh, detailed or open-ended. So it, some of those just take time to get resolved. Um, so a larger plan is going to take more time to get certified. Um, so it's, it's it gets very Detailed and very, you know, there's a variety of examples you can get in the weeds on. But I do know if you have one plan, it's just the park and planning staffer has to sign off on it. That's great. If I still have to get a park sign off, a planner sign off, <laughs> a fire sign off, <laughs> a DPS sign off, that all takes back and forth to coordinate. So is this a misunderstanding by the land use bar then that about maybe not taking into consideration the full complexity of what may be involved for, for the bigger plans? I also just think, Diane, I mean, this is a 
because there are so many conditions that have to be met prior to certified plan. I, I think it's just because we have the quick review timelines now that some things that were a little bit more complicated or might take a little bit more time get pushed to certified okay. site plan to be to be completed. And I think that's why. That's why there's more time. Mm -hmm. um, not saying that we can't improve the process because there's probably room for improvement here, but I think that that's what's causing a lot of the, the yeah. delay. In, in years Thank you. Past, years past, and I don't know how timely some of these comments are, but years past, you know, you'd be waiting a few months to get the resolution mailed, but that process has been changed. And that was years well, ago at this point. No, I won't comment on these because I'm these attorney fans. <laughs> the, um, that, that's still in people's memories, but it's pretty, you know, the resolution within a month or so to get it mailed is pretty common right now. Now, if there's a challenge or if it needs to be correct, you know, there's all the atypical scenarios, but then it comes back to the plan and what you have to get reviewed on the plan. And that comes back to how many conditions you have. And when we first started, it was it was very slow. Very so slow. yeah, yeah. But I that that was my understanding. It's like I, my team, I've been overseeing uh, between mid county and up county in like the last six seven years. I, I mean, they're they're pretty much clockwork within a month. And I know if it's you know, I'll pick on Patrick because the chief signed the certified plans. So for up county, if we know it's on Patrick's desk. We call them. <laughs> they signed this, yeah, versus getting to it tomorrow or next week. But right. that's right. You saw, and then yeah, I mean, Meredith. Right. I mean, I mean, to Diane's point, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit struggling to understand this thing because you have 120 days. Then what would we do? That's why you have DRC. All this plan here should have been at the point. If you're getting your resolution, it should have been ready. You should have had all those discussions with DOT, DPS, and everybody else with the parks. As for that 120 days. And so when you're going and getting the resolution, that plan should have been ready. So why is it taking then another three months, six months, or seven months to get it certified? I think that's that's the issue that the land use attorneys are bringing. So you're approving something that is not really ready to be approved. That comes back to all the conditions so, that are applied. So as you see, it, it, it gets very complicated. The, the the more the larger the project, the more conditions typically. Is that right? Yeah, typically, yeah. So so what's on the table here for the actual proposal is 45 days. I'm not entirely sure what the 45 days is referring to, and what's the whatever it's referring to. What's the perspective of this group? Like that's 15 minutes longer than the current. Right. Patrick just read the, the law. No, no, oh, Patrick was talking well, about. Well, now we're back to now we're back to certified site plan, right? We've been a lot of time just talking about resolution. Wait, Meredith, did you say something? I, I know you've had your hand up for a while. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Well, no, I was just wanting to go to the 45 days and asking the same questions you are as to if it was a 45 days, what does it run from? The resolution, I guess, is what they're probably suggesting, but. Based on what Eshan's saying and other people, it probably could be shorter than that. Looking at the direct comment, I think they're saying 45 days from the date the applicant files it. Is that what they're asking? The date the, 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 the site plan. 45 days. 
<clears throat> so that'll be interesting because then that's contrary to the second one of us allowing them to file it early. Currently, right. Yeah, so you kind of have to go with either it's 45 days from like the mailing of the resolution. Or. Um, and we could still allow them to file earlier, you know, yeah. prior to having a resolution. But still, you would have to have it done no later than 45 days from the mailing of the resolution, I think. That's what I was saying. Yeah. 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 Robert Cronenberg's got his hand up again. Thank, thank you. I Thank you, like Meredith. Yeah. I appreciate that. And can someone tell me, does the 45 days, does that say approve the certified site plan? Um, because if it does, and we have a consultant that doesn't want to comply with the conditions, are, are they asking us to approve something that is non-compliant with the board's approval? Um, I, I think there has to be some, um, you know, we can we can review ours within a certain timeline, but uh, there probably should be a timeline on the applicant to resubmit uh, to meet those 45 days if that's really where we're headed. And I think that sometimes that's not um, quite fair on them if they have to follow up on a number of comments. Um, so I, I don't know that the 45 days really gets you uh, what we really think it would get you. And I guess the, the next, yes, piggybacking on that, Robert, um, maybe said a little differently, what happens if it's not? So what if, what if we've gone through a very complex process and we're getting all the way to the point where we're certifying the plan and then we provide a review in 10 days and the applicant doesn't respond or whatever, whatever may happen for whatever reason, we go beyond that time period, whatever that may be, then then what happens with that plan? Are we right. so we we hope we're not saying right it's withdrawn and we're starting all over again. Mm -hmm. that, that probably isn't the answer that we're all going for, but I guess wanting to speed it up, I hear that. Um, what happens if we go beyond that? It just seems like the concurrency could probably solve the bigger issue here, which is yeah. timing. The concurrency you think? Yeah, the yeah. current review of it or a submission of it during the period while you're waiting for the resolution. For you to be submitted knowing there's two items that are still being resolved and square away everything else versus waiting until you have that fire meeting or you have that parks meeting or whatever. The... Just, just yeah, to be being, clear, being able to break it up a little bit because yeah. I know I know sometimes we've had stuff where there's a bunch of things and you can work on it, but maybe I can't get you the answer for the parks thing for a couple weeks because somebody's on vacation, it's like being able to work on all the other pieces is great. But but from the applicant standpoint, if there are if there are 10 conditions that you need to respond to, just making a number up, it may take a lot depending on availability of personnel and what you know. I could use up to 45 days just preparing the plan. Right. So and then the one, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, each plan is going to be different. So size of it. So, so it seems like the important part of this is this allowance for concurrency, right? So it helps to it helps the applicant to start or continue their process and not waiting around for board resolution, yeah, right? As your point, the if there's ten conditions, we address nine of them, and everyone agrees. Then if we're waiting on an answer from an agency, or sometimes you have to have a legal document recorded. You know, open space covenants or stuff like that. You know, some of that goes back to plats, but I won't go there. <laughs> um, but you know, that could take longer. And 
but if the review's done, but we're just waiting for one answer, that that would help, you know, versus waiting to get all the answers, then review it, you know, and then that okay. tracks it out. Well, that still doesn't deal <clears throat> deal with though having some sort of a deadline as to when it should be due, because after all, there is no penalty. There's no consequence really to planning if you exceed 45 days so that if there is a contingency like Gary's raising that one person hasn't gotten back and you can't issue it, well, then that's just, you know, the way it is. But um, having a date certain, I think, has shown itself to be helpful in terms of looking at the 120 days and the 90 days. It seems like there's been more conformance with getting things done where there's been a deadline of some kind. But, but what, let me let me ask you, Gary, because I mean, you've ex you you shared a number of different experiences of specific projects. I mean, does it will a date certain matter on larger, more complex projects with multiple conditions you're trying to address? I'd love to have a date certain, but I know every project's different, which is the and if we had a goal to review it within combined with applicant and park and planning review to have it certified by 45 days you know does that help probably but you know is it you know there's no penalty you don't withdraw the application you still have an approved plan and you still gotta work out the condition before dps is going to sign off on something so um we have a question Gary. isn't it more in the wheelhouse of the applicant at this point creating that certified site plan than it is in the planning department's review of it. Is that true? Because you're the ones that now have to look at these conditions and make sure that your site plan complies with all of the conditions of approval. Yeah, let me, I'll give you two, two examples and this where it gets complicated. So um, we'll have conditions that um, add five trees to the landscape plan because, you know, during the discussion, a planning board member or a resident want more trees next to their property line. That's pretty straightforward. We can do that, resubmit it. It's you know quantifiable. There's five trees. The other other opposite end of the spectrum that we're, we're looking at, we took a project which was the PSTA site in Rockville uh, to the planning board, and there's a big discussion on the master plan road, Medical Center Drive. And, DOT weighed in on this, and it was supposed to be four lanes and as a CCT. So that was, uh, the condition was to work with DOT on the lane assignment. The applicant discussed that in front of the planning board and said, we want two lanes, not four lanes, and big discussion. Well, that took, we got approval, we had a condition, but it was go work it out with DOT. That took several months. Actually, to, you need to work this out. It wasn't like a, a, a concrete condition. That should never happen. Because I'm the sorry. applicant that was saying, we disagree, we don't want it. And DOT, so we got in between with the condition. So that's where right, that's that takes really longer to work that out because you got approval, but was still, yes, you have to do the road versus no, don't do the road. But then it was like, okay, now go, you're approved, but go work it out. So that's, that's still happening. So How could something that large not be decided by the time it gets to the Well, planning that's where board. the applicant disagreed with the county. So that's the. But, but it still so went to planning board, even with that, that major the planning decision. board agreed to that condition. That's my point is if they have to make a finding, how do they agree as part of their findings? That the road is indeterminate. Like that's not a finding. 
Well, the finding was, yes, you have to do the master plan road and then all the details had to go be worked out. So that's. Um, How do you prove that condition is satisfied? Can you, I get, if I were an applicant's lawyer, I'd say, yeah, we met with them once. Now here's our plan. We worked out the road details and where the parking was and all that. DOT wrote a memo saying this is good, then parking planning certified the plan. So it is interpreted as you must both agree for this condition to be satisfied. And that happens a lot with certified plans, particularly if there's a disagreement with the applicant and the, well, ultimately it's not disagreement. I'll say it's disagreement with staff and the applicant if they're not on the same page, but the planning board has final say. So. Yeah, we tried not, I mean, I, I'll just speak for my division. I, I really, and I'm sure the other chiefs and supervisors the same way, really try to get the board to decide these things so that we're not right, stuck right. in this continuous, like we've done the review, we're making the recommendation, please decide, you know, what, one, one way or another, just so it's very clear for all of us moving forward what that decision is. So that could definitely add time to a certified site plan process. Yeah, for sure. If that, yeah, we, we don't just willy-nilly go up there. Like that's, not that's not the best scenario, but it happened, so. So, so I'm, uh, it sounds like we don't want to set a date certain, a de you know, it's got to, something's got to happen. All, all this needs to happen in 45 days. Um, it's, it's perhaps a, kind of a soft benchmark, knowing that there are going to be plenty, yeah, or a goal, but there's, and there's plenty that will meet it, and there's definitely some that, and that won't. Like if you want to set a hard deadline and, you know, figure out the number of days, but with, with 120 days, there's a process. You have 120 days, if it takes longer, there's a planning director 30-day approval. And then how many uh, extensions can we get? <laughs> but be, beyond that, you have to go to the planning board for an extension. The, and the boards have been different, but the new board, they want a real reason why you need another 30 days, 60 days, et cetera, to, to figure things out. So if you go, if you go date certain, what's that first date? And then after that, what's the to process? create a whole process, uh, yeah. Yeah, basically. And that that may take longer at extra paperwork versus just getting the plan certified. So, right. I just yeah. wanted to point out to hold it up just to the point Gary made previously. The lead agency memo is still in effect, and DOT is the lead agency for cross sections. That's the number of lanes and things like that. And following the lead agency memo, would have eliminated the ambiguity that Gary's client found himself. His client might not have liked it, but it would have been done. It actually sounds oh, like it did follow the lead agency memo, though. The client, they were told that they had to do that, and they had to go work it out with you guys to make sure that their plans were right to do that. that what, yes. Okay. So yeah, I think staff and, that, and MCDRC they, were on the same page and, and requiring the same thing. The board agreed the board with agreed. that. Okay. And but yet the, the applicant had shown something else on their plans, therefore resulting in us having okay. after the fact to go reconcile what what okay. that cross section. I, just understood. Yeah. I thought it was a situation where the no, board we was saying go. we didn't we're not gonna decide. That's what it sounded like. No. <laughs> yeah, because DOT, the board, well DOT and staff are on the same page. Uh, the, rather the board agreed with staff, and that's where that's not what was shown. But the on applicant the plan had not shown that cross section that 
that we, the agencies, agreed to. The disagreement and therefore, you know, making the appeal to the planning board. So again, so what I'm hearing is no hard and fast deadline because it could create a whole new set of issues and a new process that needs to be created. But the goal would be 45 days and knowing that there are going to be some projects that because of the number of conditions or what, whatever the case may be, are going to run longer than that. But I think the running reviews parallel or the concurrency is the concurrent. Yeah, because you can you can the again go back to the 10 condition example. If you can knock off nine of those and everyone's in agreement, you're done. But if you have one piece and whether it's an agreement or someone's out of town or agency is waiting on a policy decision that that could drag out. I think Robert has his hand up. Thank you, Robert. Thanks, thanks, Christina. I, I would just, I, I think you summed it up well, Steve. I, you know, the, a hard and fast date probably isn't very helpful. Um, and I would just point to the fact that in many cases, we don't even get a certified site plan submitted, you know, for months. Um, so you're already kind of exceeding that time frame. But uh, I think, you know, kind of looking at this more concurrently in terms of addressing conditions is helpful. Um, but I would not put a hard and fast date on it. We can always set a goal and see how we do towards meeting that goal. And we would do everything we can to make sure we do meet it. But if some, you know, just to point out, if someone hasn't submitted a plan for six months, which does happen uh, or longer, uh, then you have a, a reviewer that has moved on to four or five more cases. And now they're having to pick up kind of where they left off, you know, previously. Um, so it's not necessarily a staffing issue unless the staff has left um, to different positions. But um, putting a hard and fast time frame on it, I, I really don't think it's helpful to the whole development community and us. I think one minor little thing that just occurred to me as we're looking up at the highlighted thing, you know, it's it's allowed to have the certified site plan be submitted before the resolution is mailed. The other question I just have in my mind is if planning is the owner of that resolution, can you just slip it into the in e plan, slip it into the applicant's document so that it's all why does it why does it have to go back to the applicant to update their certified site plan to submit it to you if, if it's a document that you own? Layout. I mean, I, I think they like a little control on how it's laid out and how many pages and That's sizing. Right, right, minor thing because it's like you. We one one correction though, Tim. This is Robert again. It's not planning staff's resolution. It is actually the board's resolution. So planning staff can prepare the draft document, but then it goes to the board through our legal department. So. Um, in terms of the ownership piece of it, I, I think just make that clarification, but it is really, really helpful to have the most recent resolution on the plans um, because they do, the plans do get amended and we like to see, and our enforcement staff and DPS enforcement likes to see kind of the changes that have occurred. So I, I wouldn't change that at all. It needs to be on the plans as to the other documents uh, that we I, typically I ask for. I wasn't suggesting that it, it doesn't get part of the plans. I was just suggesting that if it's a document I mean, plan, sh plan sheet sizes are stipulated, right? Well, that would be a certain size. Yeah. You just print. Put, but Tim, that's part of when, the when they submit their applications, even 
the original applications, um, when they start the review, they leave the pages blank for the resolution. So it's already teed up uh, to your point. It's just and a matter of inserting a, it. Every sheet gets a developer certification for those right. plans, engineer certification. So that it, it doesn't take long to do that, Tim. So I, that's, just, I was just but there's a there's a few quirks in it. Yeah. Well, I, it just, I was thinking if it triggers another intake process. This is an intake. <laughs> we don't touch certified site plan. Okay. All right. So <laughs> I'm I'm gonna move us to permitting, and just so that we're all aware, we have 34 minutes. No pressure. Um, so there are multiple uh, summary of comments here. I'm not going to read through all five, but I'll, I'll give you 30 seconds to read through it yourself just to refamiliarize. Right, so we don't necessarily have to address them in the order of the bullets. Uh, what I would say is, um, you know, if you if you feel one of these is really important that we address on the front end of this conversation, let, let's hear what that might be. Maybe Isan. I've gone on the record. Our, our timeline will be published, and we can put it in writing. That's no problem. Um, and and they want a shorter time period for the subsequent reviews. Uh, I don't believe that's a problem, but not two days, what they're putting. So already it's taking us 30 days and it takes them like sometimes 60, 70 days to give us something and they want to turn around to two days. As you know, there's so many plans and all that. So if by pushing somebody in front of somebody else, that's going to create another delay. It would just be driving down the highway. You stay in your lane, you're fine. As soon as somebody cuts in front of you, it's going to start delaying. So that's that's kind of the, the analogy I can use for you. So that's no problem, absolutely. Uh, shooting for that uh, for mid September. So that that's the first one you're talking about. Yeah, the first one about our review time in writing, absolutely no problem. Uh, they have been established uh, for a long time. It's just we should this this, and the industry is aware of that. But if we have to publish it, absolutely, it's going to be on the website. And if you have to put it in writing, no problem. And the subsequent reviews, it should probably going to be half and half. It's going to take half as much time. I'm sorry, you're you're saying that review times and the first review will be uh, the length of the first review, whatever it is. The subsequent reviews, the second or third one, it would be have it, it would take half as much time. So if you take in 30 days for the initial review, the second one when it comes back, it should be done in half as much time. Um, in regard to number two, I think we already discussed that. And I think the decision was made, no, we cannot separate it from the path of the, uh, the bonding and transportation of the public. Number three. Okay, subdivision review. I'm going to turn this, let that team take this, take the lead on this. Yes. So, Wait, can, Wait, we can we go back to the right of way one? I think well, we even that first one. Are we, are we talking one. about codifying the timeline? Is it still an aspirational goal? So still aspirational goals, not. It's not aspirational goals, so I don't really appreciate that. 
It's a review that we are doing already. So if you're saying 30 days, if you know, I did a dashboard for you guys, you guys saw a timeline. Right. We are hitting. So it's not we are trying to add as prior to, to do 30 days. So whatever our timeline you're saying as the review, we will do it. And we have been doing it. So it was the question has always been that, hey, you guys need to have that in writing or publish it. And we are saying no problem. That would be online for everybody to see. So when they're planning this project, they can see and plan accordingly. Right. And and sorry, I'm saying not codified, so it's clear we're not offering a legislative change. This would just this would be on your website somewhere that yeah, I'm not trying to be insulting. I'm trying to make sure it's clear that we're not talking about a legislative change. We're talking about a process change and a notice to the public change and the notice to the public shops. Absolutely. And and just refresh my memory, Isan. So in terms of the timeline, so that establishes at least the benchmarks you're trying to hit for each part of the process. Absolutely. So what we would do in the first step would be the review time for commercial, all new commercial building permits. What are the review time for them? What is our zoning review time? Uh, what is the review time for stormwater and sediment control and paving and the storm drainage plan? Uh, and our residential review time for new residential building. And we would have our dashboard, how long it takes to issue on the average. We would have a ticket that would show you, hey, these are the timelines taking from the time you're coming in to obtain, to, to apply for a building permit, and how long it's taking. Uh, what is the timeline that it takes to review and issue that building permit? So I'd also like to add something to this, which is that um, DPS has historically been part of the county stat and the county stat reviews. And as part of that, DPS has entered into agreements, service level agreements with um, for, for their performance, which has all been part of the county stat process. Park and planning is not subject to the, the county stat control. we're the only ones that have codified timelines so that's i mean that's why it's a, it's an interesting thing you know we have to have right. all our timelines codified but there aren't any timelines codified for the county so. but but the it the 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 county has is managing it which is why if this were to go to the executive branch which is what got all this started conversationally with um with senator kramer's bill then it would you know Perhaps it would have had to go through that process, but county stat is how departments are held accountable. And that DPS is held accountable in its reviews with county stat, with the county executive's office. Okay, that I mean, that was interesting. I didn't realize if we removed to the county agency, then we'd have nothing to be accountable for in the code. And then maybe, well, we'd, we'd have to Christina, that's a snarky, inappropriate comment, quite frankly. No, that's not the point. The point is, is that you are under a different auspices. And just because you have one thing doesn't mean that DPS has to have the exact same thing. The fact is, is that the executive branch has administered the the mechanisms for the controls and does it through county stat and you are not subject to that. So it's not apples to apples and nobody said what you just said other than you. Okay. But I, I want I want to get to the actual recommendation. So it, it says 
DPS should establish review times in writing, which Isan says, you know, will be done, will be published in writing, website, etc., and and notice to the public, and consider a shorter review time in general and a shorter time frame for resubmissions. And so, I guess what I'm not clear on is, is there a benchmark or established guideline for review times, and then. I think what you said was resubmissions would be half whatever that is. Is that right? So there are. So there are in accordance to the data we have to provide as for, for all the departments in Montgomery County. Uh, the timeline is 30 days for commercial review time. Okay. First review, 30 days. Uh, zoning is uh, five business days. And a storm drain, uh, paving and a storm drain, which is right away. The same thing, 22 business days, and the same for a storm water and sediment control. And residential is uh, five business days. New residential, these are all new residential building permits. It's five business five. days. Uh-huh. And then what, you, so to, to kind of extrapolate from that, so, um, for resubmissions, each of those would ideally be half of that. Okay. Should take. Do you have a um, timeline for intake? intake? Intake, we have our intake, it's two days, and we are hitting like uh, 80, 85 for something in two, two days intake. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, other comments? on this. So, I mean, the, the essence of this is um, publishing the timelines. And so establishing what I've just typed in here. And then, um, so it looks like it's it's talking about shorter review time. I'm assuming that it's referring to the days that we've established here, or perhaps the, the testimony was not clear on what the number of days was, I, I don't know. I don't know how to interpret that. So is this, you know, is, is this something that does need to be shortened from well, the, the established timeline? The comment said we further suggest a shorter time for reviews of submissions and a much shorter time for similar near final. I mean, to me, half is a shorter time. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we satisfied that one. It's my interpretation, but. I think this box is done. Uh, uh, OK, all, all those in agreement <laughs> Levu. Do we need further discussion of this. The comment. Um, sure early one, yeah, is she like a virtually brewery? It's, land it's a locker. OK, so. I don't I don't really know how deep you want to get with, you know, the folks that made the comments because Thankfully, they made comments because everything we're kind of basing our work on is off of the comments, right? So again, the son's point, and he did share this, you know, PowerPoint with pretty much like all their data and everything. This law firm, I would presume, should, if they don't know, I don't think they're looking for public notice because it sounds like they're in the know of how to do this type of work. 
though their comment sounds like it's based on a specific situation and not a generalization of the time frames, because Hassan is saying we have set timelines for these things. But if this group is feeling like it's taking longer, then the question is, why group do you feel like it's taking longer? Is it taking longer for everyone or is it taking longer for you? And I think that is really critical in this work because we are going, a lot of these comments are from the same people. They're from the same groups. So it's like, is this your issue or is this everybody's issue? We're making recommendations on very specific comments. So again, I don't know how deep you, you know, guys want to take that, but if this is a, an organization that DPS or planning or whoever does enough business with, then maybe it's a specific question to them. Like, we got your comment, we want to respond to it, but what specifically are you talking about? We have these set guidelines. What is it that so you're The actual comment, which I think will shed a little light, is that the way they phrased it was the Department of Permitting Services has a general unstated policy that appears to require 30 days for any review. So I think what they are trying to get at is it should be a stated policy. It doesn't have to be codified, but should be stated, particularly on their website. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I agree with Lee with that. Check the box. <laughs> I don't know if it still is or not, but Isan, I'd have to ask you this because absolutely our performance measures and metrics were on the county stat website for years. So is that not the case now? Is it be, in which case they would be still be published? It's not saying that, Dan. I think it's trying to say that if you go to DPS's website, if somebody oh. were interested in how long it was going to take to get something reviewed, does it say it makes our sense. goal is 30 it's days, period? Yeah. That's it. I, that, I get it. I get it. That makes sense to me. Thanks, Pam. So can we move to the next? So the next one, Isam, you indicated, and we yeah, talked about this earlier in this meeting, right? <laughs> 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 is that right? Cherise is already voted. That's an important one, though. I don't know that we resolved it. Yes, understood. We, we were where we were was understand the need for bonding. But the fact that they have to go through essentially, you know, produce construction documents to get to the bonding, that's that seems to be what's taking so much time. And so I think the question was, is there if they really do need the construction documents to get to the bond? Is there somehow that we can do this concurrently with something else so that it speeds up the process? We can do it at the time they come and they're going through this uh, certified site plan process. I mean, what if it's not if, a site if, plan? So just certified plan, like if it's going through a right. I mean, but while they're going, I mean, it's it's the same thing. The site plan is not approved, and we allow them to come to to obtain to to apply for a building permit. So we won't hold them back because it's taking so long at your shop to get the certified site plan approved. We let them come. They go through the review. It's going to take them. That would put them ahead the three or four months or the six months is still at your shop to be certified. So we won't hold them back. It's the same thing. If they have those drawings ready, Gary and his team, they have them ready. They can submit them at any time during the process while at, during your process. Is that is that even? It's just we won't be able to issue or 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 or, or approve it until the, the the site plan and the plan. Is that even a possibility though, Gary? Like in in the real world, is this going to really work out that way? The 
we most of our clients operate, you have this whole list and there's critical path, et cetera. But if there's 10 things and if they if they all need 10 things at the end, fine. But most of them operate, get item one done, get you know, whatever I can get done, get it done, put it on the shelf. And then I know I have to focus on that last item to get to the permit or whatever the goal is. So I think with how most of the clients operate, being able to run stuff parallel, knowing that, you know, if I got the bond approval done, they may not post the bond yet, but at least they know it's in the compliance for a $500,000 bond uh, versus six months down the road, they're running around to get a bond posted. That's, you know, they'd rather check the box, get stuff done, and then push down the road to, uh, you know, funnel everything to that one last item they need to do to get a permit. So, I, I guess my question is, is it possible for the, for you to be drafting construction documents at the same time that you're still getting your like certified plan? Most, most plans we are moving forward you with. Uh, yeah. So you're already moving forward and it's still holding up everything. OK, I, I don't know that we have a resolution on this yet because and I think that's going to be one of those up. ongoing discussions or how can we figure it out down the road? So, yeah, yeah I also think you should make sure that it's we understand what would be involved with it because to post the bond early as i said before um, developers would end up having to pay for that bond at a point in time when they're not ready even to move forward and whatever the bond if it's a point and a half 1.5 percent i don't know what the costs are but but the bigger issue on it is it becomes what would be i think a contingent liability on their capacity and how that might fit in with their other projects as well. So I just think that that we in this room um, can make recommendations for things, but but if we're going to, we should really know what the puts and takes are. What the what is, say that again? We really need to know. What, what the puts and takes would be. And so while, you know, it may make things better in one case, you know, I Gary said it, calculate what it is so you know what it is and they don't have to post it i just think we need to make sure that we're not doing something and i surely wish i don't know if kate is there or not i don't see She's her not. She's okay on vacation. i would really love to hear her take on this point so yeah i think that's very important i just want to reiterate what diane said just because this does have to be based on reality and it has to be based on um, the idea that planning has been formed to encourage development and to encourage it within a certain regulatory structure that also protects the public. Um, and so if that's the attitude, then you need to be practical. That's one of the issues we've had is that planning tends to be more of a vision. And meanwhile, the executive side has to actually do all the stuff and build the things or, or supervise it and do the building code, et cetera. And there's a disconnect between um, our, our different understandings. Yeah, the and, and then Steve, it's contingent liability on the owner's debt capacity, their, their bonding capacity, because they sign notes that secure their bonds, at least back hundred years ago when I was doing this stuff. So I'm not really sure, but I just think that that. Um... Well, I think, Diane, you're bringing up the two ends of the spectrum. So if mm -hmm. there's debt, debt capacity, someone has to wait a year to post their bond. That's 
you know, that's a, that's a scenario, yes. But for the clients that will move forward, develop, get a shovel in the ground now, they're going to do their bond now because they're moving forward. And so, and there's like every scenario in between. So I think if we want to facilitate those folks that want to go forward and move faster, that's how we got to figure things out. Now, well, if you sit, sit on it, you sit on it, which they have that option. So, Well, that's what I like what you said about having, I, I think that you said it right, that you calculate, find the earlier point in time, whatever that point in time is to calculate and know, assuming that, that the, the actual design based on which it's based doesn't change materially, um, make that point in time earlier so you know what the bond amount is. Yeah, that'd be perfect. And then, you know, as we go through this, probably 20 other scenarios will bring up down the road. So. Right, right. But there does have to be, I mean, for administration, the administering agencies do need to understand the point in time at which it is actually required. So. So what what's a quick what's a what's a next step on this kind of outside of this meeting? Is there are there people that need to be contacted or or is this kind of beyond our ability to figure this out in the next month, given everything else we've got to discuss? To me, it sounds like this might be like a, a further discussion you know, between DPS, us, and then. Yeah, we call it a platform group, but yeah, maybe another. With the yeah, black group, maybe. There's a DRC retreat and had positive stuff. I don't know if there's a DPS retreat and yeah, we you know, try and brainstorm on a number of items. But because I know it would be useful for like Hassan to have his right away folks here and it would be useful for me to have my plan folks here and you know, so yeah. I think I think we could just kind of put a pin in this to say let's can absolutely let's have try a to right. This is a right of way permit more than simply a plat issue. And so yeah, definitely yeah, have, that could be two different groups, but yeah, we'll Well you could bring them together too, but no, I just want to make sure that you have the right folks at the table. All right, so we've got 13 minutes and I do want to spend a few minutes on getting clarity on things that need to be done between now and September 13th. Should we try to tackle one more thing here? And if so, what might be, I say this with a chuckle, uh, a quicker one? None of those look quick to me. None of those look quick. <laughs> those are, none of those look quick. Not 13 minutes quick. <laughs> okay. All right, and lead agency is its own bear. All right, so there's enough time for a 13 minute break. So we're <laughs> or dismissing you early, right? All right, so so um, help me to kind of think out loud here. So, what are some critical things that need to happen between now and September 13th, either to dos or um, or helping us think about kind of what we absolutely need to focus on at the September 13th meeting. It seems like where we are right now in permitting would be a good place to start. Um, well, we need to make sure that we're taking into consideration all of the testimony and the and the statements and that the deadline for that is September 1st. So that means that we will have it all before we meet on the 13th because we want to make sure that we're not um, making all these decisions and and yet missing some substantial comments. So we need yes, to, for, to for look sure. at that. We definitely need to do that. 
Um, I was um, going to say, since I had. Oh, wait. I hadn't quite finished. And then also that we need to look at the uh, post its. Oh, uh, a few meetings ago from this group. Right. I don't know that we're going to get to the post its. <laughs> I think we have enough. With I think that the post its are essentially in here in many different ways. Yeah, I mean, so I would volunteer. We need to do that to see if that's the case, though, because I mean, the idea of this work group is that people have been appointed that have a certain expertise and you know knowledge about it that may be you know greater than the average person and so we want to make sure that we're getting the benefit of the expert ideas of the group i think meredith that people have had the opportunity to speak up as we discuss items and if they had something that was really burning on the post-it they can speak up with that too um i just i don't think we have time to keep adding adding things into this process i mean i'm I, well i don't agree with that excuse me chris uh, excuse me but um it's not a process where we have to then take all the post-its and go down them one by one i mean that's not what i'm suggesting i'm suggesting that we take a look at them we can do it in our smaller group or again maybe form a different smaller group and see how this actually dovetails with the kinds of recommendations we've made. So I'm I, particularly I, I concerned will, about the right-of-way right permit issue because those are such brief comments. We don't really have a range of experience or expertise that we're basing this on, except we, Gary, we humbly listen to you. Um, so, so yes, Meredith, I, I will volunteer to take a look at the list of post-it notes and see how it matches up with uh, the categories and some of the things that we've already talked about and some of the things that are kind of upcoming in the summary bullets just to see how they match up. And I can do that in the next week. That'd be awesome. Thanks, and I'll do it too because... Um, okay. Um, Amanda. Did we talk about potentially rearranging some of these bullets? The, the uh, categories or the bullets? Like the category, the, the bulleted categories. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so that that list. Okay. So, so um, I think we're all in agreement that permits is next. Um, what what uh what I have kind of in this rolling document is lead agency after that. But I'd love to hear quick proposals of what are two items you want to make sure we, we absolutely have to from your perspective address in on September 13th. I'll let you go first Amanda. Well I do think this issue of people's counsel because that was raised as potentially being a state issue of a state people's counsel but we should maybe talk about that. Okay. And then I feel like Public involvement should go. The traffic concerns, a lot of those that we got in seemed specific to certain projects. Um, I think there's maybe a couple big overarching comments about traffic and the way traffic studies are done, but I think most of those comments were, were project specific. Um, and then just while I have the floor, one other thing that should be done is there's still some testimony that came in early August that isn't yet posted on the website. 
that if that could get added, that would be great. Yep. All right. Anyone else want to like high priority? Again, I'm I'm working under the assumption that we're not going to get to everything. Uh, in by September 30th, and that we'll need to find an alternative um, method of getting certain things addressed. I agree with looking at lead agency uh, next, but I also agree with Amanda that it's important to pull up the, especially the, the public involvement, because that raises, as I said earlier, the BIPOC notice issues, and yeah. also um, the People's Council. Okay. And I'm just sure. going to. Sharice, then Pam. Oh. I was just going to mention quickly because in reviewing all these things to create the bullets, for streamlining, which is what we're trying to do here with development review, the um, amendments um, is something we should also make sure we do touch on before we finish because there were streamlining points to that compared to some of the other categories. So you're saying amendments? Yeah, the uh, eight uh, amendments and administration. Okay. Look at that. All right. I don't know where this falls at because this was on a post-it that I wrote and I've said it in here before, but it speaks to the public comment and public involvement is that the understanding in the community of Up County being East County is not evident. I was in a meeting with all East County leadership very recently talking about CIP and, you know, budget and all of that and mentioned that and most of the people who are leaders in the community had no idea. So if you're looking for public involvement, you're excluding a large component of the community who doesn't know that East County is considered up county unless they're looking at your planning map. And right, and I talked to Robert about the reasons why East County was part of up county, particularly for the agricultural reserve, which that is not most of what East County is at this point or how the development is rolling out. So I think that is a huge priority. It's something that could probably be very easily tackled in this group. Okay. All right. Going once, Lee, Lee Boo. Well, I was going to say this isn't about the categories, although it does sound like we have five for next time now, which is a good start. Um, but I will, since I did the written testimony on the chart, I will add any from yesterday's that are new and try to mark any that are topics we've already covered okay. and then add and prioritize the ones coming next. So just that will be done by the 13th. And um, Christina, can someone in planning look at where we are on surveys just so we have a sense, you know, do we have five, do we have 50? Sure. So we know what's, <laughs> what else is coming. <laughs> All right. Um, Oh, I have a quick question. The September 1st deadline was for the survey and public yes. comment, correct? Okay, making sure. All right, um, we've accomplished a, a lot and we still have a steep mountain to climb. Appreciate everyone's uh, due diligence on this, uh, thoughtfulness on this, willing to kind of grapple with, uh, you know, challenging issues. We still have a ways to go. Um, we're giving most of you a three week break before we meet again, but then we're in kind of an accelerated time frame. So um, starting next meeting, I'm going to try and go quicker uh, and 
I'll try and deal with the pushback that I get from various individuals as I try to accelerate what we can and will go through. But thanks to everybody. Have a great uh, Labor Day weekend. See you all bright. What is it? Bright eyed and bushy tailed by uh, September 13th. Thank, Thank you. you.